0: Banshees of Sharon. I went and saw mm, yeah. at the London Film Festival and there were a number of people involved in the production there, including one guy who was way too overexcited and kept like yelling stuff. And mm. you know there's that bit where um he's like, I finished I finished a piece of music. He said, like, Oh you did? Oh, that's grand. What mm. what's it called? The Banshees of Sharon. And one bloke went, whoa
1: <laughs> <laughs> Like it
2: was oh, I Avengers. Get it. <laughs> Yeah <laughs> E Bombay.
1: Eh. Bad
0: cheese, bad cheese, bad cheese. Paul
2: Anus Oh nice I'm Paul Bum
0: Oh! What a pun yeah. That was a pun everyone <laughs> Did, you it's get a pun the other if, meaning right it
2: It's a pun if you say it's a pun
0: <laughs> And I <laughs> say it's a pun oh, We are a third of the way through the new year And you know what that means Time <laughs> to review the best films of a year everyone's trying to forget It's 2022's 2022
2: Do you have to specify which year that is now You can't just say the year everyone's trying to forget <laughs>
0: Yes, most of the ones we've had recently. To be fair, 2022 is less, please, for the love of God, let me not think about it again for the rest of my life than the previous two. A lot or of ten. good things happened. A lot of good things happened. And we're going to talk about that in general. We're going to do our top 10 lists. We're going to mm-hmm. look at the Patreon lists. And, you know, general people lists as well. You know, non-Patreon Our people. lists of
2: people that we rank. <laughs> for <laughs> your enjoyment, listeners.
0: We're going to rank everyone who's not a Patreon. If you don't want to be ranked, get in the Patreon. For the love of God, get go on um, board. We're going to have a little look at the highest grossing films of the year, Ooh. all in some desperate attempt to find some kind of closure. So, yeah.
2: And it's not coming.
0: No, absolutely come. not. Nor should it. Nor no. should it ever. The years are entirely arbitrary. And the only thing that really distinguishes the passage of time is you and your efforts. Yeah. So. And how old yeah. you look now. Absolutely. How many grey hairs you got growing out your dick? Mm. You've all got those, right?
2: I've got three. <gasps> right out the dig.
0: I did get pubes first, you know. They went grey first before anything. Oh really? Head.
2: I, I, yeah. I, the 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 context free, the context independent version of that sentence. I got pubes first, <laughs> born bald.
0: <laughs> I, I got pubes before you. You know, never <laughs> fucking forget that. I got I got, I
2: got hairs on my balls before I got hairs hairs on my head, son.
0: <laughs> that was the weirdest baby you ever saw. <laughs> uh, but yeah. My mum
2: always said I could uh, walk before I could crawl. Well, my mum said. Mm. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Dad.
0: <laughs> uh, it was a big year. 2022. It was big year. I started my degree. Oh, yeah. But, yep. That's pretty much it for me. Uh, yourself? <laughs> oh, we, we all met up. We all met up in England. We that all met up nice. in England. Yeah. Even the England part wasn't that bad.
2: <gasps> Even the England part. We went to lovely Matlock. Yeah. We found a nice, yeah. nice place in cummy old England.
0: Uh, yeah, nice lovely. cummy old cottage. It was, it was, um, a, yeah.
2: Uh, you could yeah. barely smell the cum. It was lovely weather. <laughs> um, Trying not Very to think good weather. about. Uh, the implications of that it was lovely weather and you know i'm gonna look a gift horse in the mouth even if it is a, a world ending one um, the
0: rain was only at um 45 degrees not actual vertical was not actual
2: lethal angles um <laughs> i started up a band called lethal angles
0: yep that was yeah. good very well received
2: that was very well received short-lived but um more love well, I mean, for you, it
0: you started it here in the uk so you just yeah. moved thousands of miles away from the rest of the band <laughs> And there's
2: no one else in the band but i left the idea there in the uk um i oh i i i moved to mostly podcast editing as a job
1: oh which is
2: which is pretty wild um, yeah it is and i i now do 50 uh, percent of my podcast editing is paid so wow that's that's nice um luxury
0: yeah statistics i can only dream of mate
2: oh god i feel <laughs> like i just got to- I'm grateful for everyone else that got me to this position. Uh, and <laughs> what else? Oh, I've drunk, I've drunk an awful lot of coffee. Yep, in
0: 2022. In yep. J- yep, that was... Was,
2: pretty, was pretty good. And all those other things, Paul. All those other things.
0: Yeah, all um, those other things that happened, which we can all yeah. feel happy about. But we're not oh, here yes. to talk about any of those.
2: No. Oh, thank
0: God. We're going to get into cinema. And this, this felt like the year that the cinematic experience kind of came back. And mm. I think that's reflected in our top tens and in the highest-grossing movies list we'll come to. But Lovely. total box office revenue in the UK doubled from 2021, approaching the yearly average of the 2010s, which is a pretty consistent uh, mm. number for out. So is that just yeah, because like of yeah. Avatar:
2: The Way of Water, though, Paul?
0: Yeah, it could well be entirely single-handedly because of Avatar: The Way of Water. But hey, whatever gets them in, and when they come in, they'll see a trailer for Rye Lane, and then <laughs>
1: come in for all Avatar.
0: Flow from there. <laughs> Stay, Stay for, for Ryland. Yeah,
2: <laughs> they've got to wait, but they'll they'll be all right.
0: Oh, um, the Pope's exorcist. I got to <laughs> got to come back in four months for that.
2: Vivla Cinema. Um,
0: say <laughs> magnifique.
2: There is a theme. I don't know if you've noticed a theme in your top temple, but there's a definite theme mm. in mine, and I I wonder if the listeners will figure it out as we go along. Ooh. Yeah,
0: mine pretty consistent. Just sort of. Uh, they're good. That's the that's the theme. Good, but like big visual kind of things. Like there's a lot mm. of like, amazing cinematography kind of cinematic oh, yeah. 100%. experiences going on. Hundred percent. Yeah. Me too. Um Yeah. And I look at the list from twenty twenty one and uh I think maybe my top six were stronger last year, but that might just be the benefit of it having sat for longer so I can see things like licorice pizza and think, oh fuck yeah. yeah. You know, I'll probably feel the same way this time next year about that. But this year, my top thirty is generally stronger, I think, because mm. I could happily take any ten of these and call that my top ten films of the year, and it would be a great like list to go up against other years for uh, me.
2: Interesting. And, I I, yeah, I feel I'm like happy with this. You have had um saying you've had more time isn't necessarily the right way of phrasing it, but you've dedicated more time to watching cinema this year than I have. Um, True. I suppose one of the big things in 2022 was um getting to grips with my uh mental health and some of that has, did unfortunately mean watching a few fewer movies than usually than usual Yeah um so my top 30 all oh, like I love every single one of them and look they sure. they're all fantastic um mm. my top 10 is There was only a couple of things I had to really try and wiggle about there. I was pretty happy with my top 10 as soon as I had mm. seen each of these movies. Yeah. Um Same. but um oh, there's a lot of good in that top 10 and in the top 30. Oh. I can't wait to just yeah talk, talk about how much I love <laughs> these films. Um Yeah. If we're talking cinematography and just cinematic experience. Yeah. A lot of my reviews of these movies are going to be bo oh, oh, look at that. <laughs>
0: couple of notes before we get in. Mm. As always, there are a few films that, you know, we haven't gone around to, largely yeah. for availability reasons, I have to say. Oh, God,
2: it's been so hard in Australia. It's just oh, so, such a dearth no. of, um, of <laughs> just non-English speaking movies.
0: Oh, Christ. No, it's been <sighs> absolutely impossible Um, with release dates this year. Last year, we were confident enough to do the episode six weeks, uh, ten weeks earlier than we usually do in March. Jesus. Is that Sally? Well, we did it in like episode, uh, 10 episodes earlier. And there were only two movies that I felt that we hadn't seen that I ought to have. And that was mm. Coda, which ended up, you know, getting Best Picture. Yeah. Um, and Bergman Island. Saw uh-huh. Bergman Island. Really uh-huh. liked it. Probably uh-huh. wouldn't have made the top 30, but liked it a lot. Um, Didn't see Coda. Um, yeah, okay. Most, the consensus generally seems to be, I don't know. I don't know why Coda doesn't interest me. Um, yeah. Possibly because, weirdly, for a Best Picture winner, I feel like there was zero marketing behind it. I didn't yeah. see a trailer for Coda.
2: Yeah, interesting. I, yeah, I still haven't seen Coda. Um, mm. the, problem, the problem is I, I tried to get around to it and then I looked at my list of 2022 movies that I needed to watch yeah. and well, like, oh, better watch these. <laughs> you um, move on, right? Yeah, so, it's hard.
0: But I am, I'm, going to, I'm really annoyed that I didn't get to see this year Joanna Hogg's The Eternal Daughter or yeah. Kelly Reichardt's Showing Up mm. because those are two of my favourite directors working at the moment oh. but neither have been released here in the UK yet. Why? Sexism. That's it. That's I That's mean, exactly why.
2: That's the yeah. only reason I can think of, or I'm willing to think of. Um, I didn't get to see. I didn't get to see Alcaraz. It ended up not being a, like, uh, available to me. Same yeah. with Joyland. Um, which I really, yeah. really wanted to see. Um, oh
0: God, it's good. Those, yeah. We'll talk I more about those soon.
2: Yeah, I wish I'd been able to make the time for Babylon. I know it's been very divisive. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, but I'm always, I'm always quite affectionate I feel quite fondly towards ambitious movies and I I think that could have been something that that. I would have been into but um it Mm. it is what it is it's it's when I look at my top 10 I'm really happy that I get to showcase a couple of these movies and I I, I, in some cases I'm very surprised that they they are so high (laughs) up in my top 10 so it's um yeah, yeah it's it's I'm I'm very excited
0: I think so. One last thing before we get into those, which is there are a couple of honorable mentions for even Mm. my top 30. Okay. Movies that... Some of these are ridiculous, they're not in my top 30. They were Mm. in my top 30 for so long, but in the end, I am here without Triangle of Sadness, The Woman King, Corsage, Mm. Living, Vortex, Flux Gourmet, Resurrection, and 3,000 Years of Longing. All Uh, amazing. Mm. All could have made the list, all could have been argued to have been in the list, but... I just enjoyed 30 movies more. Yeah. And we'll hear more about that. No offense. Later.
2: So, you did like Living? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I loved Living. Living oh, was good. so much more than just uh, a companion piece for Ikaru. Yes. Considering how similar the plot structure is, I thought Stephen Woolley really found interesting ways to film it. I thought Bill Nighy was amazing. There's yes. a heartbreaking sequence where he sings an old folk song. Yes. In a pub. Yeah. So, have you, so have you seen it?
2: Yeah, yeah, I remember, I I I, oh, I I, I mentioned it to you before you'd seen it, and I said, I think it's oh, worth right. a watch, but I couldn't tell if you'd, I thought, I couldn't tell if you'd be put off by oh, the, yes. the sentimental right. final scene. Um, That's right, I remember not.
0: you saying it, but no, that yeah. final scene was like the closest scene to Ikaru, like the, the movie yeah. ends I, in a very similar way, well, the whole movie yeah. is very similar,
1: but.
2: Yeah, it was just, it's just something about the way the way it was shot at the end. I was just thinking, oh, I'm yeah. sure there's a better a better way of <laughs> of doing that. But I loved the movie for the most part. Um, Bill Nye was amazing, and I really mm. I, I really enjoyed what it brought to the table by looking at the British <laughs> yes of of like the British equivalent of the Japanese salaryman or the just the Japanese yeah. like, the reserved. Um, and if anyone was going to bring that right? out, it
0: was going to be Kazuo Shigeru, who has like a foot each. Yes yeah true i mean he did remains of the the day so absolutely
2: so for me uh the menu almost made it in uh, oh yeah the menu is just just very fun um Mm. vespa i'm i'm ashamed it not ashamed unfortunately it didn't get in visually (laughs) visually it's stunning it's Mm. just just they just did so well with such a tiny budget this it's this british Mm. sci-fi sci-fi sort of Mm. (laughs) post-apocalyptic Tail yeah. and visually, there's nothing quite like it. You know, just mm. when a movie with a very small budget just manages to do yeah. incredible things in inventive ways, yeah. and it's got Eddie Marsan in it as well. So there you go. Oh, I like yeah. Eddie Marsan. Mm, yeah, living very, awso- oh. very, very nearly made it in, and yeah, yeah and also Velvet Queen, very interesting documentary. Oh, um, interesting.
0: Yes. You know, there were two movies I didn't get around to seeing actually, and I'm grouping together in my head because they both involve posters with women looking tense on the on the poster, and it's um. Yeah. Steven Soderbergh's new movie, Kimmy, mm-hmm. uh, with, um, I want to say Zoe Kravitz, but I might be wrong. Um, and okay. then um, Emily the Criminal with Audrey Plaza, both oh, of which. yes, yes. Looked very good, but I just did not get around to them.
2: No. Yeah. Such, is, such is the way. You watched a lot of films, such Paul. Is life. Tell everyone I how many films quite... you watched last week.
0: Four a, li- a, a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there, there yeah I had to watch many, many films. Um, but hey. Let's talk about some of them. Paul, right, tell me about your number 10.
2: All right. My number, number 10, then die a number 10, is
1: <laughs>
2: Goran Stileski's You Won't Be Alone. <laughs> So um, a movie set in 19th century Macedonia, um, Mm. about a young girl, uh, we follow a young girl from imprisonment to transformation into a witch um, due to a deal that her mother makes uh, with said witch and how she comes to be turned into a witch and slips between bodies in this isolated village. it's it's a horror um it's it's my (laughs) it's my literary horror uh token for this year (laughs) Mm. but it is it's a horror with some very confronting violence um but essentially this is a story about this girl who's kept from the world for 16 years finally learning what it is to live Mm. Uh, i had the thought during that this is the terrence malick movie i wanted to see after the tree of life but never quite came (laughs) out because it has impeccable cinematography Incredibly awesome. well observed performances and 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 um and and shots that feel like insight into these characters uh, <laughs> that mean something and, and these stunningly beautiful monologues that are nothing short of poetic i just, I, I found myself marveling at, at some mm. of them um and they yeah. they each of them just said something so vital about what it was to experience something for the first time or to re- yeah. like fully realize something. Um, there, there is a notable appearance from Numi Rapace, but she's by no mm. means the standout performance, because every, mm. every lead, I think, is incredible. Um, yeah. she, she's, every single one of them stands out, that is. Uh, yeah. Also, Macedonia being both a setting and Stalewski's place of birth before emigrating mm. to Australia, it does feel like a deeply personal movie, told, but it's told in these grand sometimes otherworldly ways, leaning heavily on the gruesome folk tales of, you know, Eastern Eastern Europe and, um, and Southern, yeah, Eastern and Southern Europe. Um, And aside from all this, it's just, it's, it's so constantly surprising in its ability to find beauty in a world of abject feudal patriarchal cruelty mm. and it locates and articulates the precious and special within it and, and in doing so it gives you the sense of saying something sincere and unique about the human experience and how fraught familial relationships can be stretched and even relied on and the meaning you have to make for yourself within all of that it, it's just it's, it's such a beautifully human movie um at the same yeah. time as having some really uh um uh, vividly effective uh, body horror. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh but it's, yeah. But it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful.
0: It really is. And yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right on the sort of Eastern European folklore aspect because there was a 2017 fantasy horror film called November, which was Estonian. Um, mm. And it had a very similar vibe in terms of uh, how cool. the kind of myth, mythical and fantastical elements work. Mm. Um, regarding Terence Malik, did you ever see A Hidden Life? The one about the um, German conscientious objector.
2: Yes, I did actually.
0: Okay, yeah, because that that really this really put me in mind of that the sort of oh, cool. idyllic pictures of like farming life. Yeah, such. If yeah. you cut an hour out of that movie and made it a bit more <laughs> focused, then yeah. you might get something close to um, you'll not you'll not be alone. But yeah, no, it's just a stunningly insightful film about the human experience, and it's it did amazing. make it hard to market because yes, even the trailer was sort of fifty percent. Folk horror movie and fifty percent yeah. Terence Malick style life yeah. experience thing, and
2: that it was the trailer that finally sold me on it actually because after mm, you saw brilliant. it and really liked it, and Nell really wanted to see it, um, yeah. Nell, is, Nell is big into European folk tales and and and
0: oh man things
2: like that, and I was kind of into it and I thought oh I don't know, and then seeing the trailer I realised that oh yeah this is uh, this is exactly my kind of movie,
0: yeah. I think after I saw it, I sent you a message. I'm just looking now to see if um, did, yeah. I can find it. I think I sent a message. So it was just something like, um, "You're going to want to see. Um, yes, you won't be alone."
2: Yeah, and 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 Goran Slefky's next movie is coming out in Australia soon. Um, of, of an age, um, it's completely different. About a, a young, like a well, not a, a young, like a yeah, like a younger guy who falls in love with a slightly older guy and. They meet up yeah. again after several years. Well, uh, com- completely different contemporary setting, and yeah, very excited to see that as well. hope oh, you- I Derek San am- Francis is way around.
0: <laughs> I just found my message to you. I can add, you will not be alone to your pile. Ostensibly a folk horror, but it's not scary. It's just icky. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I think icky. that's fair enough. Yeah, it's just icky.
2: <laughs> it is icky. I think I'd have f- come out of it feeling very wrong if not for um, if not for mm. all the really beautiful life affirming yeah. stuff
0: in there. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> okay my number 10 and also a horror film um this one's not icky it's just scary <laughs> it's us uh, number 10 it's a uh, skin
1: In this house. In this house.
0: handily one of the most frightening films i've ever seen and unfortunately one that works significantly better in a cinema where i found myself actually avoiding looking at the screen i say unfortunately because <laughs> Shudder now have it and it's unlikely to hopefully it will play but they they did this sort of arbitrary streaming service one week in cinemas kind of course. Oh, okay. which is a shame i hope that opens up and it gets into cinemas again because jesus christ it's the story of two children yep. uh who one night Woo-hoo. find that all the doors and windows have disappeared from their home and their parents are acting strangely, and that's pretty much it. It's hard to describe the style of the film. It's an experimental movie where the footage is incredibly grainy, Mm -hmm. shot digitally, but looking like old VHS footage, even, Mm -hmm. but, you know, ostensibly film. Uh, The camera is largely static, at strange angles, to imitate a sort of childlike perspective, low angles, looking up, kind of thing. Um, Naturally lit by light sources within the home, such as television screens or lamps, and with the effect that the brightness has absolutely been cranked to the point of distortion, but not in favour of clarity. (laughs) (laughs) The sound is this constant crackle with whispering voices so distorted and yet so sort of uh, present that subtitles need to be used in order to um, have you understand what's being said. Which, again, adds this horrible sort of documented feel to it. Like, this is... Yeah. It, the the subtitles come up, like, um, in a documentary when you have a 911 call yeah. being played, but it's so heavily distorted they need to put subtitles up. It's that uh. kind of feel. Um, this is in part a necessity, as first-time director Carl Edwards Ball is using borrowed cheap equipment, but the huh. result is naturalistic in the worst possible way. It adds a verisimilitude. To proceedings enhanced by the fact yeah. That the director is forming in his childhood home Recreating childhood memories Of himself and his sister god, It's not like things <laughs> No it's not, it's not quite like things um, This is what they could have done If they really knew what they were up to mm. uh, But thank god they didn't um, You can barely see anything and what you can see Is horrible there are A handful of really effective jump scares which sucks because once it proves that it can startle you you're on edge throughout the entire movie and it builds this fantastic atmosphere i think it's going to end up going down like the blair witch project or paranormal activity and that some people are just going to call it boring and suggest that Mm. nothing really happens but oh for those it takes it'll be an all-timer i think yeah and i think just what really lingers with you is the horrific situation it's an inescapable horror that is befalling two very young children who cannot understand what is happening to them and it perhaps better than any film i've ever seen invokes childhood nightmares to the point that some of it is almost familiar like you kind of half remember you dreamt this i was gonna
2: say it it feels like a dream the the sort of inescapable logic of it all we've had those dreams of being pursued by something and it just doesn't make sense but there's always a demonic thing there
1: you know, well, the we final
0: have. the final image of the movie is the scariest thing I've ever fucking seen, and mm. I swear I've had that. I've, I swear I've I've had that dream. Yeah, when I was a kid, and it's just horrible to think about that. And oh, can you tell me what it is, and there's... you can cut it out? Okay. <coughs> oh my god, it's the worst. That's horrible. It's really, really bad, and. Yeah, it's just, uh, it, there's a moment where the sister asks the brother to put on something happy on the television in order to yeah. escape the situation they're in, and that's really relatable, and there's this horrible interplay between the horror and those cheerful cartoons they're playing. It just, which I, I I feel like I remember, I feel like being depressed or sad or scared as a kid, and putting on, like, a TV or something, and just suddenly that's now part of the horrible feeling you're having, yeah. and it's, oh god, oh. yeah, really, really well observed, and just nightmarish that's the only way to put it it's nightmarish
2: i mean you, you hear me reeling while salt's talking and it's because he showed <laughs> me the trailer for this before yeah. uh, we recorded and the trailer alone i was watching it on a monitor um and it wasn't even full yeah. screen and i was still watching it behind <laughs> finger behind my hands yeah. because yeah. straight away the the mood of it and the feel of it was just so unpleasant yeah and not 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 grody in a Michael Bay horror remake way. It was just, it it was, yeah, disorienting and sensorially very, very upsetting.
0: I think the thing that lets me see this, and the thing that always saves me from like really scary horror is I'm just so in awe of the technical achievement of it, of what they've managed with it, that I just see that as this beautiful thing, this incredible technique rendered masterfully. And that allows me to forego the dread I feel. But the other day, actually, there were cartoons in it. And there's one really creepy one where a rabbit makes himself disappear with this sound effect that goes
1: whoop,
0: yeah, and it repeats over and over again. And somebody took that one clip, tiny clip, and put it on YouTube on its own. And after watching mm-hmm. it, I was scared to be in the house on my own. Oh my god! It just brought it all back. I'm
2: I'm very happy to experience these through you, mate. <laughs> it's the one thing keeping me alive.
0: <laughs> let's, uh, I, I don't think there's any more horror in my. Oh, there's one, but it's not as yep. <laughs> um, horrific, so.
2: <laughs> it's, ex- it's experimental. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. ugh, that skin <laughs> All That's Skinnermarink.
2: That's Skinnermarink. <laughs> That's a Skinnermarink. My, <laughs> my number nine is your number three, so let's move <laughs> the fuck on.
0: <laughs> Even more. Oh, my number nine is uh, your uh, number eight. So we won't be hearing about that <laughs> for a long time, fucker. No way!
2: My number hey. eight's Pinocchio.
0: Oh, great. So, oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, I see how numbers work.
0: I want to tell you a story. It's
1: a story you may think you know, but <laughs> you
0: don't. Over there! What is that? Papa! <gasps> it speaks! He's just a puppet! No, I'm not! I'm a
1: real boy! People are sometimes afraid of things they don't know. I don't understand. Pinicio. Pin- uh, you be good, <laughs> Pinicio.
0: And don't you lie. <laughs> Fucking every time.
2: I know, every goddamn time just ruined it. <laughs> Ruin it for myself and for I, everyone I around me. I promise
0: I will never hurt you.
2: Ouch! with <laughs> <laughs> del Toro uh, remake's the Scratch Scratchy Classic. Sorry, uh, everyone. <clears throat> Uh, winner of the winner of this year's thank Christ it managed to get made award as, as well as the sometimes you have to thank Netflix appreciation award um, b- because I know because no just this the the time the, ty- the amount of time the years that went into trying I to know. get this fucker made and it finally finally was and it's better than Disney's I imagine I haven't seen the Disney one I'm not going to uh, yeah. I've seen Tom Hanks in the trailer I saw Tom Hanks in Elvis is not something that I'm going <laughs> to uh, spend my yeah. time on. Guillermo Del Toro's adaptation of the story of Pinocchio. Um, yeah. It, for one thing, it's stop motion. It looks fucking incredible. Um, and one thing I noticed and also was mentioned in the making of was his ability to bring out natural movements and mannerisms in stop motion mistakes yes yeah mistakes very human actions uh it's just unparalleled vision yeah you never see that it's it's incredible Uh, um it's it's uh, uh, where to start it is it's fresh and funny in this weird existential way because being del, uh, del toro and focusing more on the darker side of the of uh these fairy tales which are pretty dark anyway um, and, and setting it, in, you know, at the time of Mussolini's Italy, um, it, it, it it really expertly blends the, the the tragic and the the dark and the comedic, right? Because it is yeah, just so fresh and funny with great vocal performances all round. Uh, my favourites are David Bradley as Geppetto, um, oh, who's, yeah. who's just it's such amazing. a cantank- cantankerous but passionate old man. Ewan McGregor's uh, Sebastian J Cricket,
0: yeah. It was
2: he, he's fantastic. Um just a really lovely wit uh going through the movie. Mm. And Christoph Waltz as Count Volpe. Um <laughs> yeah, standouts, but everybody is incredible. Bern Gorman, um yeah. with his like tiny little thing. As the monkey. Yeah, Kate Blanchett as the monkey, oh god. <laughs> who who said she would play a pencil for Guillermo Del Toro <laughs> She loves him so much. Um and these mm. these characters are Oh and Tom bro- Santon was great. Tilda Swinton, as well, and um, really good. Oh, God, Great a, whole, a whole bunch of surprising people. Um, mm. uh, but in the vocal performances, in the character design, they, Del Toro and his amazing, incredible team are able to focus on the extremes of an appearance or a personality, and, and so much of those characters come to life um through those things whether it's a you know a, a deeply furrowed brow or small eyes or being yeah. very laconic and you just get this feeling this world is so fully uh, and and lovingly populated um it is this story you know it's the story of this boy who's brought to life and it is an incredibly existential <laughs> and yes. fragile thing that um that he mm. has and that i have as an audience member watching it uh for many reasons there's a sadness mm. throughout the movie which is so perfectly tied together in the in the closing line um yeah. that oh, i i God. like I, uh, at which point Before i had tears yeah before the song at uh, which you know at which point I had tears rolling down my cheeks um, yeah. because of just how how beautiful, how delicately beautiful um yeah. that moment is, but also the entire movie how how it's like it just holds the subject matter in its hands with the utmost care yeah. and at the same time it's also it, it does have this ferocious fascist satire in oh there, yeah, which the you know, importance
0: remi- of disobedience beautiful.
2: yeah. It obviously brings to mind uh, *Pans Labyrinth* um, very much yes. feels like a spiritual sister of that, um, mm. but it, uh, but also thematic, you know, thematic sister because it shows his adeptness mm. at weaving fairy tale into political discourse and, yeah, and tragedy. Yeah. Um, it also brings world. to mind *Soltanitsa* and *Stalin*. There's just something about how ridiculous Mussolini is in this yeah. movie. <laughs> I like um, the puppets. Yeah, I like the puppets. It, it's. <laughs> with his eyes too close together and all yeah. that uh, t- this tiny man that like Vic and yeah. Bob style is barely caught in the frame um, <laughs> and, and it, it, it yeah it's just a movie that's bursting with so much passion and intensity and compassion that yeah, a, you wonder yeah. how the fuck this didn't get made for so long and why you wouldn't trust Guillermo del Toro but yeah. also um, well but, the
0: Hollywood story oh well yeah there is that good point <laughs> but, why the f- Why would you not trust Guillermo del Toro a Hollywood thing yeah <laughs>
2: hollywood okay. man but yeah this this yeah. was incredible and i'm s- yeah. it's so essential <laughs> for me as part of my yeah, soul
0: absolutely uh, it's beautiful and it's stunning yeah. and it's so it makes you just wonder why isn't every film someone who's really fucking good at what they're doing trying yeah. at the height of their game to do it well as well as they can do because mm. that's exactly what this is why would you not watch it as the word masterpiece used so often, but it just from a pure craftsman perspective. Yeah. You could only see this as a masterpiece of animation and storytelling. Yeah. Just beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Bring him back to me. Pinocchio!
2: Life is such a wonderful gift.
0: And one of my favourite oh. things about it is still leaving its premiere at the Bf at the London Film Festival, mm. uh, pre- UK premiere at the very least. Could have been world, uh, some premiere. Um, and some woman was just coming down the stairs behind me and was just like, I just don't think in the Disney version Pinocchio was shot by Mussolini. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think he was. No, I don't believe so, madam. <laughs> Good day.
2: <laughs> uh. And off I wrote on my two penny th- three penny farthing, whatever it is
0: penny farthing i i penny i ride farthing. a three penny farthing i yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm a pimp i've got deck now.
2: <laughs> spinning rims
0: have you seen that man riding that froppity p- froppity farthing
2: <laughs> that throppy piece farthing
0: <laughs> I, I hate this i hate the time we live in but i, I tell want you a you what divorce, better Margaret. time to live in was <laughs> Is every time that bruce uh, bruce yep yeah, bruce <laughs> David Bowie, what's the name I was reaching <laughs> for and arrived at Bruce, Jesus oh, Brucey. Or oh, Brucey, as I know him Oh, Brucey Bowie, oh, Jesus <gasps> My number 8 is Moon Age Daydream Fantastic
1: Are you there, David? You're aware of a deeper existence Are you there, David? Are you there, David? Maybe a temporary reassurance that indeed there is no beginning, no end and you find yourself struggling to comprehend a deep mystery. Since I was 16, I was determined we'd have the greatest adventure that any one person could ever
0: have. This is Brett Morgan's documentary about David Bowie. But hang on a minute. I've been listening to the podcast for years. Yeah, I exist. And I know that Paul doesn't like l- including documentaries in his top ten. I'm only reluctantly included The Painter and the Thief in 2020 because nothing else happened in 2020. <laughs> and he's regretted it every single year since. Touché, person whose name probably begins with a J. But Bruce, this isn't a fucking documentary. Is it? Shut <laughs> is up! It? Shut up! Is it? Shut up! Wikipedia, because I think <laughs> this has more in common with a sort of found footage essay film or experimental concert film. There's mm. no voiceover to tell you the important facts about Bowie. You've got some mm. interview stuff, but it's um, mm. it's well, it's part of the overall attempt to sort of explore Bowie through abstraction. You're never told when the voices come from, with, mm. ex- with the exception of sometimes you'll see like an interview and you'll know, okay, that's from there. For the most yeah. part. It's just his voice being used with his imagery in order to explore an idea that is. And if he's what saying David something, Roy meant. And mm. if
2: he's saying something, he's always saying it with a cheeky face,
1: so <laughs> you don't you don't know what's true or not.
0: You don't know what's going on, and yeah, there's there's no handy captions to give you context yeah. or give you the key points about his life or what happened. Yeah. And you know, fuck off, Edgar Wright, you hack. This is just <laughs> excellent film, as as but this is film. just raw, uncut Bowie. Mm. This is an incredibly cinematic montage of previously unseen footage of Bowie's life. This is a rare movie, actually endorsed mm. by the Bowie estate, um, and they gave him mm. access to the archives. Uh, and it includes concerts, interviews, and some home fo- uh, video footage as well. Yeah, Brucey And it's it. Bruce, it's Bruceian, mate. It's um, <laughs> it's roughly chronological, uh, yeah. charting Bowie's life from sort of hip London sixties through his arty Berlin years to into his eighties, sort of just entertainment for entertainment's sake focused mm. period. Mm. It's, oh, it's a staggering piece of work And one that I was yeah. lucky enough to get to experience in IMAX Where it just made full use of the scale and power of that format oh, yeah. Psychedelic morphing images set to his best songs making, making me hear his most iconic tracks in a way that felt new Like I was hearing mm. them for the first time And yeah, the effect is to create an elusive But incredibly absorbing impression of David Bowie it pays homage to the man and his beliefs without exposing him or demystifying him. Yes. You know, the ch- you know, explaining it would be the worst thing to just be like the way he would move often uh, beguiled oh, audiences. Yeah. It's just no, it's just let his actual work do the work of telling you who he was. Uh the charm, yes. the swagger, the thoughtfulness, the vulnerability that made him such an enduring artist is not only well preserved but amplified by the use of montage. It's yes perfect meeting of style and subject with so many of my favorite films of this year i'm slightly in awe of the fact that they actually exist and then just (laughs) hopeful that they will point the way towards a future for the art in their various forms and this is how to put music in cinemas this is how you Mm. explore an artist visually and this is how you celebrate an icon because i saw the director brett morgan interviewed and he said back in my day you had concert movies because cinemas have fucking great sound systems hmm they have incredible sound systems, so why not put music into those spaces? And already we had a Scar movie, um, oh, the name of which I've forgotten, but it just came out in UK cinemas. um, yeah. And it, it, it's like a big concert movie. And, you know, you had Summer of Soul last year. So mm-hmm. there's a hope. There's a hope that maybe this could represent a turning point and we'll get music back into cinemas because... Ah, oh,
2: oh, fantastic.
0: They belong there.
2: <clears throat> yeah, even someone who isn't, like particularly obsessed with Bowie, um, mm. someone I, I, I never, I like, got into in a big way. The the movie itself is f- so fucking enigmatic and it paints such an mm. enigmatic picture of um, the artist yeah. and, and it explored the artistic process of somebody who yeah. is, who's clearly an I- innovative thinker.
0: Mm. Um that, Oh God. Yeah. So ahead of his time when he talks about yeah. things like gender and sexuality. Oh
2: God. Yeah. Just so fat. Yeah. Just so fascinating in its own right. Um, yeah and it's hard yeah it's hard not to get completely swept up in the headiness of it all yeah very visually impressive movie
0: oh god yeah and hopefully it'll do for people what the Sparks Brothers did you know for me with Sparks of just sort of yeah. making people aware of this music and you know if they're yeah. not already I think obviously David Bowie's a lot more ubiquitous than yeah the Sparks have ever been but yeah hopefully it'll also see some new fans emerge.
2: <clears throat> fingers crossed
0: Right, your number seven.
2: My number seven, mate, me old mucker, is Thomas M. Wright's The Stranger.
1: Hey, do you want me to teach you something that I learned at work? Close your eyes and you're going to breathe in. When you breathe in, you're to imagine that you're breathing in really clear air. And then when you breathe out, you breathe out all the black, dark, bad air. Oh, oh shit. Mm,
2: I wasn't expecting this one uh, to make it mm. into my top ten until I saw the thing. <laughs> No and when yeah, this is one of the best uh, best movies of the year, <laughs> uh, seventh best in fact. Um, Joel Edgerton and Sean Harris give some of my year's favorite performances in this Australian oh. psychological crime thriller based on uh, the book The Sting, the undercover operation that caught Daniel Morecambe's killer by Kate Kiriakou. Um, it, it, like fundamentally, it's a, a cat and mouse esque game but it but built on this sting on this fiction of joel edgerton's character this cop going undercover to become friends with sean harris uh who's suspected of um of kidnapping and killing a, a boy which is a an actual thing it's, it's yeah. based on, on a real life sting real life uh murder that uh i have it on authority grip the nation for some time mm. as it would yeah um Sure, and 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 for me, above all else, this is a this is a vehicle for two perfect performances from Edgerton and Harris. It's a real showcase of less is more. Um, it, it's incredibly bleak subject matter, but it's as tastefully done as this kind of thing can be. It's not interested in shock value of grisly images, Um mostly relying on the dynamic between Edgerton and Harris, and also the effect that this event has had on the psyches of everybody involved whether it's the original investigators or you know, crime scene police or you know, Joel Edgerton himself and and it really really works you feel the suffocation and mental burden on Edgerton's character as he's put into mm-hmm. contact with Harris again and again and the stoicism with which he has to approach these moments of surprising intimacy that, like which in any other relationship would be these important moments of learning about the other person. There there's a particular scene in there of of Sean Harris showing Edgerton this song that he loves. And 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 it's a real moment of intimacy that, you know, if if they were just normal friends would be yeah. this lovely moment, but mm. instead you have this 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 suffocation and and, and nausea and just absolute disgust at what you're yeah. what you're seeing, and Joel Edgerton as this tough guy who you know he has he has a daughter, and he's a dude who does you know clearly not very particularly emotive, and I think shuns suggestions that he gets um, what's the word psychiatric help uh yeah he he shuns this the suggestion of getting psychiatric help and and so he's dealing with all this stuff inside and what he can get across with a still expression is, is heartbreaking and it's it's so profound and, and 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 again it's it's this slow burner of a film and it's kind of remarkable watching such a such a complex operation take place at this interminable pace and
1: yeah. it's not
2: about action beats or hollywood style moments of tension like oh oh is this going to work is this operation going to is it is it gonna yeah. work well, the way I want? I hope so. But it's mm. it's an incredibly sophisticated and well observed piece of cinema that I think will surprise yeah. anyone who can muster the enthusiasm to to uh, and the burden of watching something.
0: Yeah. That, that, no, that absolutely.
2: That that is that does have a psychological weight on it. Mm. But Definitely. it was incredible. It really blew my mind watching it, and I was stunned for hours after watching it.
0: Yeah. No, I I went in knowing very little about it, and mm. just yeah, it felt it felt quite neatly into that tradition of sort of very bleak Australian yeah. crime thrillers that are very difficult to watch. Um, mm. But yeah, I think the bit that really got me was Sean Harris, the scene, the scenes in which his character uh, engages with the process of, um, yeah. you know, of uh, cooperating with the authorities. Just the calmness with which yeah. he went about describing yeah. things was just absolutely terrifying.
1: Yeah,
2: Ugh. Oh. I still yeah, yeah, I I still exactly. think of I still think of particular shots of Sean yeah. Harris. Yeah, they just a- attack me. <laughs>
0: Unbidden. <Yeah. them. laughs> that's that's Sean Harris in general. I remember like that's interviewing uh, Matthew Holness Garth Marenghi, uh because oh, he yeah. put Sean Harris in his film uh, Possum, and he's just very gently sort of saying, "Yeah, he's a, he's a, he, he takes his work very seriously." I think it was his way of putting it. He's uh. He's an unnerving man. I think it's fair to say. He's yeah, I can imagine. Man.
2: I don't. I don't think he's. He was in <laughs> Trespass Against Us, right? And that was probably his least yeah. upsetting role.
0: Oh god, no! I can I, I, I. don't know if I remember that. Um, he was very upsetting in Parson, and once you find out again, it's not an unrelated role to the Stranger. But yeah, I mean, he was also in Macbeth. Chet Kirschel's Macbeth.
2: Mm, he was Macduff, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So. And he
2: was, and he's the one of the oh. bad guys like the main bad guys in Mission Impossible.
0: Yes, he is. Yes, she has in a mm. few of, of those.
2: Mm. Mr. hunt. What will you? Wonderful do? man. Oh, very a very good Australian accent.
0: Frightening man. Yeah.
2: you number seven, son.
0: My number seven's your number six. Oh, so, my God. So, again, you're going to have yeah. to Fucking ages, mate. broker Fucking ages, son. Broker. That's what it yeah. was. That's what it'll always be.
1: Usanga, 미안해. Pokhari, roll, 개. Hangar, 개, 정이, 없구만. Roll, 개, 없잖아, 당신들한테. 그쪽도 없잖아, 버렸으니까. Yeah,
0: Tell us about Broker.
2: All right, then. Cunt. uh Ada's latest uh, director of Shoplifters, Still Walking, mm. and others. Um, this time a Korean language movie starring mm. Song Kang-ho of Parasite yeah. fame, not to, mention, not, uh, not to mention a whole bunch of uh, incredible of pieces of Korean cinema and lots of munchin'. Uh, Baeduna <laughs> and more. Uh, two Yay. men are these unofficial, illegal brokers of orphan children, pairing them with prospective parents who aren't able to adopt through legal means. And when yeah. Moon So Young, uh, played by Lee Ji Eun, returns to collect a child, the three embark on the mission to find her child, the parents, and upbringing he deserves. Meanwhile, detectives Su Jin, Beiduna, and uh, Lee Detective Lee, played by Lee Ji Young, are hot on mm-hmm. their trail, waiting for them to make the deal so they can step in and prosecute. And aside from the fascinating social commentary of baby boxes, an idea that has come under scrutiny and criticism in Korea and Japan, you know, anywhere else that it's um, been introduced, because, you know, oh, uh, conservatives don't like uh, the the notion that people are allowed, you know, able to do something about their situations.
0: Yeah, Um, it's that age old thing, isn't it? It's the idea that if you make it safer to do something. Yeah like that the more people will do it but it's yeah. not that's not the case it's, it's just that it'll make it safer for people to do the thing they will do anyway
2: yes exactly it's it's like the injecting room here people exactly the 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 uproar that came when it was introduced and has been going for years it's just yeah. is, is baffling because people can't look outside of this this notion of protecting the family and yeah. uh, like Even the an family abortion. Capitalized. If you, you know
0: happen yeah. to take against it you can't it's just what's that phrase you can't ban abortion you can only ban safe abortion yes exactly and yeah and,
2: and the film uh the film explores this um in uh, the typical coriator way which is to say mm. full of compassion and, yes. and and at the same time exploring ideas of parenthood and family it's no surprise that coriator has linked this movie to 20, his 2018 shoplifters Uh, no yeah definitely yeah like shoplifters this tells us a story of this family of outcasts thrown together by circumstance and forming real and important connections all the same Um, found family is a big thing yeah and what i love is how tenderly this is done but without lapsing into melodrama or hackneyed platitudes instead it finds something honest about trauma and compassion and about these people's personalities and it helps that the performances from the cast are all fantastic, and mm. as with a, a lot of Koreeda's movies, it's a decent enough, like, sized cast of characters who are fully realised yeah. and relatable. Characters who all hold sadness at their, in their hearts, holding secrets yeah. and desires and tragedies and everything that makes up a human being. And... And as the film presents these characters groping blindly towards understanding you know expertly mm. raising all like it, expertly raising all criticisms and praise for the baby box scheme you know through mm. dialogue you know it encourages irresponsible mothers blah 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 and it really hits at the center of the issue, which is obviously that the criticisms address symptoms of injustice and inequality yeah. conveniently conveniently ignoring the disease uh yeah. and uh as it were and this is what creator also does on a wider scale in broker. It gives you as many arguments and positions as possible, and as many walks of life and perspectives as possible, showing not solutions as such, but demonstrating exactly the 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 struggle of human existence and yeah, you know what what we need to find in order to like, try and search for solutions. And on top of all of that, it's funny, it's graceful, mm. it's definitely bittersweet, and I f- oh, yeah. feel that it's the best this movie could have possibly been made as it was in the hands of uh, an absolute master.
0: Yeah absolutely I I think I've now seen almost everything Coriator has done mm. and this this is it's one of his more plot driven films because it's you know a road movie essentially but mm. it's absolutely grounded in character action and these intense sort of personal dramas and I really fell in love with everyone more or less regardless of where they were yeah. on this kind of spectrum of opinion mm. of you know what the correct action to take is And it doesn't really cop out and suggest an idyllic. It it has an ending that is bittersweet, but it doesn't suggest a solution to the whole thing, which is beautiful. And yeah, I just, it's all about found family and his deeply humanistic look at criminal behavior uh, and what motivates Mm -hmm. it. It's just, yeah, it's gorgeous. And I just, again, very happy that Corriado is one of the filmmakers who is out there working at the moment because Mm -hmm. it's just a wonderful little addition to his... Incredible filmography. It really is.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: my number six. Hmm. My number six is Ennis Main. Hmm. Mm. Really? You Can you hear me? Hello. Yeah. Now, hello there, lover. Have you ever just felt like a film has been made just for you? This is <laughs> the second feature from Mark Jenkins, the Cornish mm. filmmaker behind Bait, a man. Ooh who seems to have been inspired by all of the British cinema that I love intensely. <laughs> um, recently, he made a short film inspired by Jerzy Skolomewski, sorry, Jerzy Skolomewski's uh, The Shout. And uh, for ah. this film specifically, he had a season at the BFI curated by Jenkins, um, listing the cinematic DNA of Main. Uh <sighs> And I was just, I, I remember opening the program and was just delighted. This is stuff that I've been watching my whole life, stuff like The Stone Tape, Pandas mm. Fen*, Haunters of the Deep, Symptoms, movies like Lost Highway, Barbarian Sound Studio, even Jean Dillman was in there. And so yeah. it just felt this great sense of cinematic kinship to Jenkins, and this film is a worthy mon- uh, monument to those influences. It's a grainy 70s-style folk horror film about a woman played by Mm. Mary Woodbine, who's Mark Jenkins' uh, real-life wife. Ooh, my Um, real-life wife. Real-life wife, uh, living alone on a remote island off the coast of Cornwall, where Mm. she measures the rate of growth of a fungus on a flower. So there's this kind of uh, natural uh, nature documentary feel to it. Yeah. Then she goes, measures that, goes, tosses a rock into a well, then goes home. Uh, by the old railway that used to be used by people who mined the island before there was a mm-hmm. terrible collapse of some sorts. Goes to her house, writes the journal, then goes to bed, cooks herself something, listens to the radio for a bit, and that's kind of it. Uh, and her house incidentally is right by this creepy standing stone. We see that play out a few times mm. before si- things start to go wrong. Um, she's mm. haunted by something in her past. And somewhat disturbed by a strange man who keeps visiting the island, who's played by Edward uh, Rowe, who was, mm. of course, in Bait, and is one of the most uniquely faced men <laughs> appearing in cinema these days. He's got a really strong, powerful look, uh, which I kind of love. And, of course, his great voice, the great Cornish accent, which never sounded more sinister than that of Mr. Edward Wo- Rowe. And also she's being haunted by some very startling visions that have sort of Nicholas Rogue feel quality to them. So Mm -hmm. the grainy, (laughs) I put grainy, I put granny, the granny quality to this (laughs) film and (laughs) the abstract imagery creates a really deconstructed impression of the island, a very textured impression Mm. of its windswept uh, windswept cliff sides and sort of um, plant life. And Woodbine is fantastic as the haunted woman and the film just charts a geography of her kind of ruddy weathered face and just mm. so these are such unique real people in his movies which is so refreshing oh great um they just they look like actual human beings in such a strange way to say but <laughs> there's something so lived in to yeah. the movie every part of it including the cast and oh great you know it's slow moving film but it's and it's very experimental and atmospheric but mm. it also just perfectly evokes a sense of dread and so beautifully creates an immersive experience that you just get carried away by it it's lovely it's folk horror because people said of bait this movie feels like a horror film and he says okay well let's see what happens when i make a horror film then yeah and it tackles so much of what folk horror can do beautifully linking our past and our anxieties about the past to the landscape to the land that we live in connecting the personal to the historic of nature Mm. in all of its power and mystery it's it's totally idiosyncratic, and I'm so pleased that there is a world-class experimental filmmaker working so closely with the kind of cinema that I really cherish in yeah. my country. It's just, there's something really special about that. Um, yeah, That's so I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled by it. It's just a, a little scrapbook of great British horror cinema.
2: I'm thrilled hearing you talk about it. Um <laughs> Uh, Mark Rowe was also the voice of Godfrey in Elden Ring. So is everything something. We oh can all Jesus! Get behind. Yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell.
2: Oh boy. My number five is your number one. You fool!
0: Oh my God! That's so high up. All right, then. Jesus, let's I talk can't about... think that far ahead. Let's talk about my number five. Ooh. Alcaraz.
1: <gasps>
0: Alcaraz, everyone, if you want to Google it. Alex
1: A-L- for no si de batre, de fam-
0: <laughs> So, yeah, from my number six, which is a movie that made me feel very grounded to hmm. the soil I live upon, uh, my number five transports me to another place, a warmer, sunnier, more natural place. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
2: less fucked place.
0: A less fucked place than Concreteville, where I live. This is, yeah, the second film, actually, of, um. Car- um oh sorry, this is only the second film of Carla Simone that I've seen oh, okay. um, after summer 1993. I believe she's made at least one more than that. Well, oh, that rings um, well. Might be a honey at her second, I'm not sure, but Summer 1993 was uh, similarly gorgeous and poignant, but Mm. I actually find this film even more involving and immersive. Um, Oh, cool. It's essentially just about a Catalonian family who live in an idyllic verdant farm uh, Mm. that has been in the family for generations, but only by spoken agreement. No contract was ever signed, Mm. and so it looks like they may well lose this land uh, and have to leave by the end of the summer. And so this might be their last harvest there.
1: But Ah, in
0: spite of that premise, in spite of that sort of cataclysmic premise, the film is not a tragedy. There's Mm. a melancholy to the Mm. heart of the whole thing, a sense that this way of life may be ending and that the family may face an uncertain future, which causes a lot of frustration and friction. But there's just this powerful sense that no matter what's going to happen, they're going to be together and they're going to face down cool. this future together. The family do what any family facing disaster does, and I've kind of learned this now, having experienced some difficulty with my family, which is you just focus on the day-to-day and caring for each other and getting frustrated with each other and just kind of living. You don't mm. sit down and talk about the thing that's gone wrong every single day, you know. Mm. Something still has to get do- made for lunch and dinner, You know, yeah. and, some- and yeah, work still needs to get done. So, and there's just a beautiful sense of that because so much of this movie is just their lives. Mm. And, yeah, there's this wonderful naturalism with which everything is captured. It's almost entirely non-professional actors, which is staggering okay. and truly speaks to Simone's skill as a director. Um, you learn all the members of this extended family. There's so many of them and yet you just, you learn you, you learn them and you learn your favorites. Um, yeah. The easiest to love, I think, is the father, who's this classic dad type, who's very serious about the work getting done, and sort of, you know, yells at people when they're not doing stuff right, but always in a very charming way. He's also just got this big laugh and a real affection for his kids. Um, There's a drinking tournament at one stage in it, and he just, he wins, and then they just put him on a chair. They they pick him up and are, like, um, bouncing him up and down whilst he smiles with his big hand. He's like Homer Simpson in my (laughs) head. He's just... He's just this perfect, like, archetype of a dad. Yeah. Oh, okay. And An he also... Dad. You know, maybe he's got a slight crush on his wife's sister and he likes flirting with her a bit. That's <laughs> something that might happen, but hey, yeah. it's not... This isn't a drama movie, so that's not going to come to anything. Yeah, okay. And then then also there's the middle daughter, Iris, who's uh-huh. this little girl because there's a very young daughter, but she's typically seen leading her two boy cousins off into some great imagined adventure, you know, a sci-fi or war yeah. or something. Just... And performing some learned burial rites on dead animals around the farm, they have um, some hired help helping them with the with the mm. gro- with the um, collecting, bringing in of the harvest. And one of them teaches her some uh, burial rites, and so she goes around and does it for the animal, the rabbits that mm. have been shot. Okay, which is another aspect. There's things like a scene where they're running, they're riding their car through the night using a flashlight to try and shoot rabbits, and it's not a sort of big dickhead kind of Way! sort of toxic yeah. masculinity moment. It's a very practical sort of these rabbits will destroy their livelihood if they don't shoot some of them. So they've got to go out and do that. And it's beautifully well observed that it once feels as though you're being transported to another place, but also just brings you back to the interactions you have with your own family. The moment that really stood out for me is the whole family is gathered in the little bathroom and the Mm. mum is giving the dad a massage because he's fucked his back. Mm. The daughter is playing around in the bath and the sister is doing her nails. The son isn't about, he's off somewhere else. And another time they're all just lying in bed as the mother is trying to choose a dress and they're just kind of lazily on top of each other. And it's just... Yeah, okay. These little moments of casual, effortless intimacy that you remember from sort of, I don't know, the days when nothing more important needed to be done. Yeah. And it's just really charming. And very much like Roma, it also has some big scale moments, you know, where the spectacle Uh, is derived from the everyday, you know, a protest that they attend, a marketplace, Mm. a dance, but... It doesn't have the drama or set pieces of Roma, you know, there's no big hospital sequence or the wave sequence, you know, but just a lot of really tender, well-observed moments of humanity. um, I was going to say. It was just a thrill to spend time in. From the
2: trailer, sorry. Yeah, from Mm. the trailer, I I, I really did get a a vibe of Roma. Um, Yes. I thought it'd be reminiscent of it. Again, yeah, not necessarily in the scale or the set pieces, Mm. but the sentiment and, yeah, overall. Yeah. Overall feel. Um, absolutely
0: and, and reminiscent of great old spanish movies as well like spirit of the beehive mm-hmm. or el Sur. just yeah, cool. um yeah really part of a rich cinematic tradition ah,
2: cool yeah mm. and it sounds like it's a, it's a movie about the sense of enduring as well which is
0: oh yeah absolutely very, you just
2: very positive
0: you you need to know people still live like this you yeah. need to know there's still a farm yeah. Where, people, where kids can run about as much as they want whilst parents draw in the harvest and practice ancient yeah. skills of how to correctly you know uh, cook snails, for example yeah. or Correctly speeches. doing it is the important thing.: Yeah <laughs> And it's just yeah charming for that beautiful.) <laughs>
2: My number four is your number two?
0: Yes. Well. Oh, shit. Well, then, oh, let's God. get into my number four. My number four is your number three.
2: Gosh, you're always peeking over my shoulder with your numbers. Uh, oh. I was like, oh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll see what you have to say on it, and then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll add to it with something oh, very shit. smart. Oh, <sighs> shit. Damn it. Well, yeah, my number three is Tar. Oh, Can't... my number four. Oh, my God. What are the coincidences? What, coincidence? <laughs> what are the coincidences?
0: What are the coincidences of that? If you're here, then you already know who she is. Lydia Tarr is many things.
2: As a conductor, Tarr began her career with the Cleveland Orchestra, Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Boston Symphony Orchestra, until she had last
1: arrived here at our own New York Philharmonic.
0: In 2013, Berlin elected Tar as its principal conductor, and she's remained there ever since. Lydia Tarr has also written music for the stage and screen. She is one of only 15 Egots, meaning those who have won all four major entertainment awards. Thank you for joining us, Maestro.
1: Thank you.
2: Kate Blanchett <laughs> plays infamous Hungarian filmmaker Bella Tarr. Oh, no way, that's the wrong. It's before I did, uh, did, did my research, Kate Blanchett plays Lydia Tarr. <laughs>
0: oh.
2: That, that changes everything. Well, anyway, shit joke out of the way. Uh, Kay Blanchett (laughs) plays Lydia Tarr, renowned composer and conductor um, who's approaching the apotheosis of her career um, conducting a performance of Mahler's Fifth Symphony uh, when allegations of sexual misconduct arise, threatening to unseat her ruin her reputation and um, her mental state and first off, it's a brilliantly multifaceted thing. I remember when I told you about it, about how much I loved it, Mm. you expressed that it was an incredibly effective psychological thriller, at the same mm-hmm. time as being—I'm not sure if you said it like a musical biopic or something else—but yeah, yeah. it 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 straddles these two things and gives <laughs> it gives a hundred percent to both. Um, mm. It's also it's also sort of social commentary, but a social commentary that isn't moralizing or doesn't have an agenda so much as showing you the psyche mm-hmm. of the central character um, who is obsessed with. Her art and you know the things that drive her, but also, um, but also, you know, you, you, you get intimations of how this affects uh the people around her, including you know when she's just told straight up how it's it's affecting people. And um, Tar is played with such force and impetus by Blanchett, it's like watching a star explode, she, she barrels through so many scenes with power and authority. Um, it's it's difficult not to be swept up um, by the the, the pure mm. charisma she exudes, um, yeah. and it, it that only adds to the psychological th- the thriller aspects and and to the yeah. the suspicion and paranoia and everything that's all a, a part of her artistic process as well. And mm. but the fact that f- it's taking this story, fixing it to the artistic mania, and mm. The artistic process that elevates it. Um, the sound design is unreal. Oh yeah. The, the the attention to the finest notes being eked out um, at the end of a performance, or the diegetic noise, uh, you know, the happenings around her apartment as she wakes up, and and to stereo image. I've never noticed panning used mm. with like, with such sophistication in mm. a theatre, um, and and it really makes the film impressive on technical level alone. To 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 have these little sounds happening, one that's behind your head, the other, yeah, it's, it feels like it's coming from underneath you, and yeah, it, it adds to the the love of the process and love of the art and the passion, but yeah. it also adds to the the thriller aspects, um, the psychological unraveling, playing tricks on the senses, and yeah, heightening the paranoia of this brilliant mind. Mm. So, and I don't want to go into too much detail here, but mm. it is a film about the abuse of power and egomania. Yeah. Uh, that's involved with you know somebody in that position potentially, but it's also about obsession and the pure thing that drives a person to the point the point of excluding all other concerns. And it manages to tell both of these stories with such a plomb, right down to the mm. final shot, which absolutely caught my breath. Um, oh yeah, the the detail and care and the paranoia and obsession that make mm. up the telling of this story ends in this specific way is something is like a mystery of life to me that I keep returning to. Um, I can't get enough of revisiting it and, and thinking it through.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it does have within it the sort of the things that can get in the way of that spark of creative process because she mm. does have this urge to try and work and yet also all these distractions and is so much more invested in the sort of power structures of yeah. institutions that she has now become a part of, which is yeah. really interesting. And you have that beautiful sequence where she kind of rediscovers that initial love. And drops all of the pretensions that she's kind of surrounded herself with as a wall to prevent her from ever being questioned. I adored Tar. It felt monumental. It's iconically acted as a character drama, an enigmatic psychological thriller about loneliness, and Mm -hmm. a fascinating study of power in the world of classical music. It's all of those things. But in spite of all these lofty accolades, it's also just really quite cheeky and fun. (laughs) It's Mm, got a really good sense of humor. There's little, like, psychological thriller elements that don't you know that are a little elusive like who hmm. who set off the metronome you know yeah. what was that real did that happen you know what yeah. was the deal with the dog sequence in the underground like it's got these yeah. little black swan-esque yes moments of fantasy that just i don't know it just in spite of certain very house um affectations like putting the entire credit sequence at the beginning and um yeah these long sort of dream sequences which are just stunning yeah it has a real sort of I don't know audience friendliness to it that I think makes it a very good thing to see with a crowd. You know, there's gasps, mm. there's laughs, there's, you know, yeah. It, it, It's yeah a film that might be mischaracterized. I want I I worry, but is yeah. incredibly, yeah, a, a really entertaining film as well as being one with just profound levels to it.
2: It's a spectacle on so many levels.
0: Mm. Oh god, yeah, huge film in terms god, of its scale, incredible its imagery.
2: It's yeah, and, and, and does not feel its length at all no uh, no it, 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 it feels by. redundant to say but it, for an, an amazing movie like this but got it really? yeah i thought like, i was surprised i thought an hour had passed
0: yeah yeah so. no i feel like tar could one day be the sort of um you know great classic literature sort of thing and as much as it gets so much reputation for being great people forget how good it is there's yes you know that kind of risk facing it but yeah we'll just have to continue to um To declare its greatness to anyone who's willing to listen because yeah, it's just well worth
1: a watch. Yeah. Must in fact stand in front of the public and garden.
0: that your number three that was my number 3 i we'll just have to talk about my number three then which is the banshees of a
1: assurance <gasps> colin sonny larry didn't you he used to be the best of friends we're still the best of friends no you're not who says we're not sit somewhere else now if i've done something to you just tell me what i've done to you but well, you didn't do anything to me i just don't like you no more
2: you like me yesterday. I'd say, yeah, it was pretty good. I'd say ooh, ninth best.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, you have your, your number nine. My sir. number nine. Your number nine. Uh, yes, for me, quite handily Martin McDonagh's best film. I, yeah. it, it, it's a film <laughs> that showcases all of his strengths, whilst lacking many of his often frustrating faults that you see in some of his more recent films. It hmm. It has a focus and a cohesion that I think is unique in his filmography. This is one idea. Oh. Yes. Explored very fully with just so much implication to that idea. It's two Irish men, played by Brendan Gleason and Colin Farrell, uh, mm. living on a remote island off the coast of Ireland, uh, whose mm. friendship ends abruptly when Gleason decides that he just doesn't like Farrell's character anymore. Yeah. Um, and then he wants to spend his time pursuing loftier things than a friendship mm. with that character is going to allow. Madonna, he- he's a playwright, um, mm. as was Bergman. Um hmm. and sometimes those disciplines can settle a little uneasily together if you end up mm. writing a play and then filming it. Uh you end up with a very uncinematic film. But yeah. um which isn't to say that, you know, the Bourbon didn't make cinematic films, of course, but sometimes yeah. he could fall prey to that. But in Banshees there's a theatricality that is yes. actually purely cinematic. The characters feel like archetypes with hundreds of years of tradition behind them, Mm. used expertly by McDonough to explore themes of male friendship, mental health, Mm. self-worth, legacy, and most poignantly, perhaps, a fracture in the heart of the Irish nation that may never fully heal. Mm. But, on a fundamental level, it's just a beautiful balancing act. The poignant against the farcical, you know, laughs one minute and then tears the next, and of course all of that is facilitated by a cast giving career best performances across the board. Yeah. Farrell is a sweet man, driven to meanness by the yeah. sudden indifference of the world he's in. And he's everything that Ireland perhaps can't afford to be again, twisted into what it risks becoming if it forgets itself completely. Yeah. Um it feels like the bat the the war of the heart of a nation is at the heart is at the centre of this movie. Gleason has never been more affecting. He's got this gentle, mm. giant demeanor with immense humanity and pathos, even when he's being cruel or unreasonable. Yeah. There's just something so understandable and lovable about the man. And yeah, as a result, you just utterly feel Farrell's frustration that he can't just be his friend anymore. Yeah. Um, And then Kerry Condon oh playing Farrell's sister and is one of my favorite characters of the year. She could so easily have just been the dull foil for the comedic characters yeah. around her you know the audience surrogate, the woman but it's the, the woman the exactly in the 90s sitcom yeah but oh it's it's a performance of such pathos and yeah. humor she may be the audience surrogate but it's it's aspirational you want to be this character you want to be yeah. quick and smart and solid enough and be possessed of yeah. the strength to carry her broken heart yeah. and withstand the disappointment and stupidity of the world that she's all too familiar with. Yeah. Barry Kurgan plays the Shakespearean fool who is <laughs> wiser and more complex than he seems because he's yeah. seemingly blunt and vulgar, but actually very astute and sensitive to the yeah. issues that the people around him are experiencing. He's just too innocent to have any sense of appropriateness regarding it. Yeah. And, oh God, there are too many memorable smaller characters to name, but... Entirely superficially This is also a gorgeous film Yeah, The fictional island of Inishiran is Achingly inviting even if it is fecking Boring (laughs) it just Looks so good and you just want To have a little chair outside your door that you can Sit in and watch cliffs and waves Yeah uh, And a rolling sky that stretches on forever And I don't know this for me This just feels like the definitive work For McDonough. it's a refinement of Everything that has made his work so Fascinating um it's a mythic work, and it's yeah. a film I think I'm going to treasure going forward because it's just, again, so entertaining to watch as well as just being so profound.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You, mm. you I mean, you feel the music and the the crowded oh, taverns, yeah. and you you feel yeah. the, the, the the fresh air and the the rolling waves. And yeah. I, I I did um I've always appreciated how unplay like um martin Ma- martin McDonough's scripts can feel mm. because he has such an eye for cinematic um mm. and um the you know of course the uh, they're incredibly well written and this film is so fucking smartly written um yeah it's, it's no wonder and the performances are incredible um and and particularly what i like loved about this movie um other than all the things you just said mm. the, the little small town refrains that came out in the yeah. in the dialogue the little yeah, shush! Like you know the the little
0: yeah. Oh god, yeah the the, 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 the tiny little music.
2: things that just tell you like of how yeah. much this this friendship ending matters. How like huge a rock yeah. it is that's thrown in in the stream. Um,
0: yeah, my favorite moment of the mm. whole that because I watched it again last night and the moment oh, that god. really hit me. Was after Colin Farrell's been beaten up. This is mm. a, well after the friendship has ended, and he's sort of being scape uh, blanked. But he's not—he's not currently issued his iconic fret yet, which we haven't even mentioned. We haven't even mentioned the premise of the film, but yeah, you know, in so in so many ways, it just feels secondary. Like that's the thing that's going to get you through the door—the delicious little mm. nugget that's going to bring people in. Because I remember showing people the trailer for this, and then you get to that line where he issues yeah. his fret and people yeah. are just like, "Oh." Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, you need that kind of thriller angle to it, to uh, that kind of freak show quality to bring mm. people in. It's so much not the point of the movie, but anyway, yeah. Uh, no. Colin Farrell's just been beaten up, yeah. and Brandon Gleason picks him up, puts him on the cart, and then yeah. drives him home. Well, part mm. of the way home, and they're not speaking to each other. And Farrell like sees Gleason driving him home and just breaks down into tears because he just can't yeah understand yeah. what this is what this means what's happening and the other moment that got me was when his sister asked him do you ever just feel lonely yeah and he just says what's wrong with everybody yeah <laughs> yeah like it's just not a question that makes sense to him
2: no he 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 lacks that dimension um, at the moment in his, and his understanding he learns it yeah it's yeah oh god it's incredible There, are, there's so much mm. Brennan Gleason, the 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 strong, the conviction and confidence that oh, he has God. in in the this insanity, yeah, um, uh, like is in in the face of the extremes that he takes it is, yeah. is is heartbreaking. And there's a particular moment where you feel like they're getting on an even keel, and Colin Farrell with a single yes. line undoes it all, and
0: yes. You,
2: you just hear the heartbreak in the cinema as it happened yeah. because oh, of, of of how momentous that truly is. Because you can just yeah. you can see the course it's taking, and obviously if you know anything about the Irish Civil War, you know, you know, yeah. you know what's you know what's going to happen. And I and I yeah. did appreciate that mm. the allusions of the Irish Civil War. Obviously, oh, it's yeah. not it's not just allusions. It, it's directly mm. you know it's an analog essentially a great reminder. And it is just a truly truly wonderful movie. Let's just call it quits. We
1: won't call it quits. We will call it the start.
2: What's your number two? My number two is the quiet girl.
1: How long
0: should they keep her? Till after the baby.
1: <sighs> she can't take keep her as long as the lake.
0: Well, ihr, ihr so. Scherz mag, gut eurem Oh,
1: the Quiet Girl. Yeah. What's she the saying quiet.
2: nowadays?
0: No, not much, I expect.
2: You expect correct sir. Um <laughs> this this was a total surprise. I was not expecting mm. this to end up in my top ten. Um it looked like a lovely film. Um lovely. We would appreciate on a Sunday night and I ended it weeping and, uh, yeah. and Oh yeah. I mean I, I spent most of the movie just going, Oh god And not because it's yeah. a hor you know, not because it's a horrible movie and as people Uh, nowadays who have seen Game of Thrones and any number of um, shows or films that teach you to expect the worst um, especially when something nice happens you can be forgiven for feeling on edge uh, for quite a lot of this movie but this is more than anything it's an exploration of what would happen if a child were permitted to receive the exact level of attention and love they need to flourish yeah, um, it's an adaptation of uh, Claire Keegan's *Foster*, directed by Colin berade And yeah, this—if uh, anybody hasn't figured it out yet—this my top ten this year does seem to be mostly <laughs> about family relationships and close hmm. interpersonal interpersonal relationships. Um, this is another incredibly well observed drama about family. Hmm. This time about Kate, who's a quiet and neglected daughter in a large. Uh, a poor family who's invited to stay with relatives for the summer a childless couple who live on a farmstead and for the duration of her stay she's nurtured instead of neglected uh and not you know she's not neglected out of um, meanness it it's just um the the time and money doesn't allow for every daughter to every child to get the attention they need and as the quiet girl she uh you know is going to be overlooked and the, the nurturing that she receives in the film tells mm. us as it's happening about what was lacking it like from her own parents and and every scene we have of her being nurtured and and and, yeah. and treated with and given the attention that any child needs to thrive is utterly heartbreaking yeah. because because every time it just clicks what was missing from her upbringing until now, Mm. why she's struggling at school, you know, why she struggles with reading and and whatnot. And this, so it put put me in a very fragile state of mind um, because it is just, it's so well observed. There is so much compassion for this character and for the the couple raising, uh, well, uh, looking after her for the summer. But there's a swiftness with which she can be plunged into the hands of less than loving people. Um, yeah. that happens about uh, about two thirds of the way through the movie that shows it reminds you how precarious this situation can be mm. and it never ceases to be heartbreaking The cinematography it does such a great job of showing us cloying yeah. claustrophobic home environments and and uh, mm. and non non nourishing environments and then larger affluent spaces that also mm. offer more room and light and vision to be able to to yeah. be able to grow into the person that, you know, every child can be. Kate herself gives such an amazing performance. Uh, Catherine Clinch uh, mm. plays Kate. She's incredible as this reserved, yeah, quiet, withdrawn girl who was has learned to stay quiet. It's like sort of had that behavior reinforced. Mm. Um, and the, the couple who look after her, played by Carrie Crowley and Andrew Bennett, the oh. uh, foster parents for the summer, the three of them together. It's like, it's light touches and quiet contemplation as, as they fully respect each other and want to do the absolute best for this girl. And obviously yeah. the, their private history, all of these things together. It's, there's so much in here that's reassuring and lovely. And yeah, it, it was just a movie that I, f- I found I needed. I needed this movie so badly. Mm. Um, Once I realized that what this movie was going to do was tell me what could happen if, you know, if, you know, the the, the potential could be realized if, Mm. if, if this girl were treated the way she needs to be treated. On top of that, it's largely in Gaelic and to an English clod such as myself, Mm. it does lend the film a feeling of poetry and melody. Um, uh, Similar, I guess, to the monologues in You Won't Be Alone um ultimately it's just this this film that feels like it could change the world if it could change the right minds and is so pure at heart Mm. that it articulated it articulated something very essential in my soul and i can't i can't properly describe how grateful i am to this movie
0: yeah absolutely and yeah one of the things i find most remarkable about remarkable about it Mm. is the way that it explores the idea of silence versus quietness um Mm. Because silence is what is demanded of her. You know, in the classroom yes. from her parents, she is expected to sort of be silent. True. Yeah. Um, But then it's it's not a case of a sort of Hollywood movie where, you know, by the end of the movie, she's really garrulous and like no. speaking, and this defines yeah. her difference. Instead, the moments of tenderness that towards her are themselves very quiet. They're yes. little gestures and actions. And, you know, she learns to express herself, but, you know, is still the person that she is. And it's this idea yeah. of, yeah, sort of... A comfort, and it's such a subtle yes. shift that is yes. rendered so vividly. that it's really quite a, a, a masterpiece of subtle filmmaking.
2: Yeah, it's it's that level of understanding that makes mm. it so special for me. Yeah, if, if it yeah. was a if it was a story about how she finally got to prom, <laughs> you know, and, yeah, <laughs> or you know, or something similar, or finally joined the lacrosse team, it wouldn't yeah. have the same effect. It's just no, uh, it it's. It, she,
1: yeah, she, learns she doesn't to do... need
2: to be anything other than herself.
0: No, and she learns to just realize that she deserves better, which is a an incredible thing. And you know, yeah. the final image could be perceived as being a fairly devastating thing, but the whole point is that the arc has happened. Yes, you know, the uh, yeah, the movie exactly. ends exactly at the point when she has gone where she needs to go, and you know, <sighs> very much like where the Shawshank Redemption should have ended. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was so hard to choose
0: which film to put first for me mm. in my, amongst my top two, and this Second choice actually feels more like a likely choice for my favorite film of the year. So perhaps this represents growth or something. Uh, it's not too late. I could just read out what I've got for my number one Ooh. and put this second. Growth, eh? No, I won't. No, let's yeah, put this. Okay. Let's put this. Let's put, this, let's put this second. Okay. So this is a stylish and sexy thriller with a lot of twists and some Whoa. excellent action. You sure, mate? Truly. Oh yeah, and truly inventive use of cinematography and editing. Yeah. Oh, that'll be Part Chan Wook then. Oh yes decision to leave. Well, there were the notes I wrote about it. <laughs> <laughs> My <Mine>
2: number
1: four.
0: <laughs> um
2: oh yeah.
1: Uh weary but
0: Gorgeous detective um, agent, <laughs> yeah, uh, played by Park hae il uh, is struggling to find two fugitives when suddenly another case gets landed into his lap, uh, the death of a retired immigration officer, seemingly from a tragic accidental fall. But he begins to suspect his beautiful wife, um, mm. his beautiful Chinese wife, uh, oh, it didn't finish, just put Song, because yes, her, her name's Tong Wei, uh, but her character is uh, Song Su-rei. That's it. Yeah. Uh, right, yes, so... That's your premise. Uh, The film's hot. All of Park Mm. Chan-wook's films have erotic elements, um, as he told us in the UK premiere of The Handmaiden. He is uh, known as the intellectual pervert uh, by his fans, and it suits. Uh, The film is actually not very explicit compared to some of his other films, um, that film in particular, but (sighs) so much is communicated by eye contact and size and proximity and editing. (laughs) The two leads are charismatic, very cool, and just... There's something so old-school Hollywood about how they interact with each other. Yes. Um, and the way in which they sort of build that sense of eroticism without anything really full-on happening. Mm. Um, then you have the style of the film. It's just effortlessly cool, ingenious. Uh, ingeniously different without affectation. That's Park's style. Yeah. To make it just feel effortless. Yeah. Uh, and yet doing things that you no one else would think to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just so inventive and arresting. You get propelled through the sometimes elusive story. There will be times where it probably will lose you and you're like, wait, what, what is this? Who's this guy? <laughs> yeah. Again, I am confused because yeah, it, that will happen. But in the same way as like the big sleep, for example, you'll be so caught up in the style of it oh, in how charismatic it's lead yeah. characters are and the romance is happening between them that you'll just yeah. go along with it until you get back on track because it won't fully lose you. Yeah. Um, because ultimately this is the story about the personal relationship between the two of them, so the the little details aren't too important. Um, And then the more times you watch it, the more rich you realise the actual plot is, because this isn't Raymond Chandler. It does all add up, just about at the the heart of it. Um, But yeah, just some of the most unique and striking sequences you'll see in a film, including plenty of his trademark scene transitions, um, and just... Mm. Th- th- like, discovering cinematography for the first time. It's just yeah. incredible. But the story it's telling is a tragic love story between two very likable but complex characters who have both found methods of survival mm. that work for them, but have left them dissatisfied with who they are now and see their relationship with each other as a potential way back mm. if they can just bring themselves to bridge the divide that separates them and actually trust each other. Or is that a good idea? Are they- Should Ooh. they trust each other? Is it safe to do so? It's not... Yeah entirely clear as you watch the film no. uh, how authentic anything is and the unpredictability of the film is what delights me the most uh you mm. never know what it's going to do next when it's going to change gear change genre cut months into the future God, yeah. or revisit something you thought you knew and expose it as a fabrication um yeah. there's
2: also perfectly shot.
0: yeah perfectly sharp performances are flawless the dialogue is wonderful, as it always is with Chemwick. He's underrated as a writer of great dialogue, but Mm. everyone talks in these poetic truisms and riddles that then get recur, recur, recurrence is a big thing with him in terms of the same phrase showing up time and time again. Mm. Um, Shattered becomes an important word in this one. (laughs) Oh, I'm Um, shattered. Oh, shattered, mate. So many crimes. The word shattered just takes on all this different meaning, and it's gorgeous. And the title itself, Decision to Leave, just has so much meaning when you see the thing as a whole, and it gives everything this great sense of portent. Like, this is a, you know, it has that usual feeling of Greek tragedy that you get with yes. um, Park jan that there's this obsession in here and inevitability that it's all just going to turn out mm. the way that it will. Um, yeah, and Park also seems to be a bit obsessed with the British Isles, as evidenced by his last three projects. Um, <laughs> and in particular, I don't know, there's something, there's something of the whiff of the Hitchcock about this mm. film. Uh, oh but yeah I actually god think, for sure i actually think this can actually stand up to vertigo and go toe to toe with one of the all-time great thrillers mm. it's just yeah a film i think i will be thinking about and revisiting time and time again it's just everything i love a movie to be
2: yes it's yeah. um funnily we we got in late um we were mm. way late and we were five minutes late and oh, we sat we sat down and went okay what's happening and within a minute it just yeah. didn't matter because um yeah. for the stuff that we we didn't know you could figure out um through yeah in you know inference. But it was mm. it's such an exciting thriller and an incredibly yeah. addictive romance. Um, yeah. um you really know, charming potential and romance. Funny. And when and, a, uh, like
0: watching each when he's watching her and she knows yeah. it and it's just yeah. this sort of cat and mouse thing going on, it's it is Hitchcockian, you know, it's yeah. this, 100%. just hundred percent femme fatale kind of thing going on. It's just gorgeous. But up and to date, it feels so modern. Yes. Oh that's the other thing. The use of technology is yes. so unique. Like filmmakers are terrified of using mobile phones yeah. in modern filmmaking, but Park shows you that you can do this in such a way that it's cinematic.
2: Yes, and not not uh, alienating. Yes, uh, uh, and yeah, it, it is effortless, as you said. It's it's mm. so effortlessly charming as well. Mm. That like the, the 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 raw attraction that radiates off the leads is, yeah. is palpable and. Added uh-huh. to the attention to detail and the exactitude of every moment, it manages to make these trivial actions like clearing up takeout sushi feel more intimate than lovemaking. making. There, yeah. there's, there's something about it which is so evocative. It's incredible, um, yeah. <clears throat> and, and as, well, really, as well as it being effortless, those mm-hmm. those set pieces which are masterful. Um, whether you know it's the, the stairs or the yeah. chasing the. Oh, um, yeah chasing the is it the chasing that criminal the way the camera yeah. takes There's us two around chases. there are two chases yeah. of a
0: criminal and both are just
2: the bo- both both of them are so evolving. fucking great and the first one is incredibly <laughs> fucking cool um oh yeah as, the nice fight with the, the with the, the with the chainmail f- fist Yes. Like, oh, yeah god it's so cool i think i laughed at that point yeah. because i was just so wowed at how great <laughs> and <laughs> fucking cool that was yeah um but but he Park Chan Wook feels like, and this movie is the greatest example of this, is the sort of filmmaker who shows when he's doing something brilliant, but it doesn't even yeah. spoil the illusion. Like I feel like I know exactly how yeah. he did it and how it works. Um, but it, it, it's like you know Darren Brown telling you how he did something. It's like, well, you're still a genius, but I I wouldn't yeah. be able to do this.
1: Um,
2: <laughs> it, it it makes it yeah. no less incredible and no less profoundly unknowable. Um, yeah. how it's he like a- can achieve this.
0: Yeah, it's like a hyper mediated experience. It just doesn't even matter that you're aware of the fact that there is this yeah. act of mediation between you and the subject. You're just well, absolutely in awe of it.
2: An I unbelievable think incredible.
1: film. So yeah. good. <laughs>
0: Right, we are over time. Let us very <clears throat> yes. quickly, one sentence each do yep. our honourable mentions before we get into our number ones. Let us run through 30 through 11. Um, cool. And uh, yeah, you start at number 30. Right,
2: my number 30 is Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Directed by Eric Apple, Weird Al's lovely spoof by off-pick that hits the perfect notes of silliness, and Daniel Radcliffe demonstrates that he has perfect comedic timing.
0: Um, my number 30 is Pearl. Um, Mia Goff mm. returns as uh, the character <laughs> of Pearl in Ty West's a horror prequel that is utterly, uh, utterly haunting, including a final uh, image that will stay with me, I think, for the rest of, for the rest of my days, and will Excellent. make me a permanent Mia Golf fan.
2: Perfect. <laughs> Anything to replace that image of me that you've got? Uh, number twenty nine <laughs> for me, Luca Guadagnino's bones and all. Uh, his young bones cannibal lo- his bones and all a young cannibal love story starring timothy chalamet and taylor russell featuring massively yep. unsettling performances from mike mark rylance yep. and michael stilberg uh movie, moody impressive body horror general gross aesthetic that will stick in the mind for days
0: god yeah um cheese with a dollar sign instead of an s uh that's <sighs> the trinabad and Tob- toboggan Tobogan. Tobogan tobagan it's uh from trinidad and tobago and it's just an incredible movie about a drug deal well about a man who decides that he can get rich by smuggling drugs out through cheese uh (laughs) it's incredibly funny um really interesting but the thing that really stands out is the dialogue which is just fantastic and really gives a great impression of the language
2: excellent 28 nope uh nope. nope Jordan Peele's latest is visually perfect and thematically subtly layered. Keeps you wondering and questioning yeah. all the while whilst watching yeah. a thoroughly entertaining sci-fi horror mystery with plenty of what on earth is happening moments.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. mind du- up, My number 28? Nope! Uh, <laughs> Jordan Peele's just utterly el- yeah. fantastic um, big-scale horror movie which just has all these set pieces that really just wowed me. Yes, um, Yeah, and it just a, a tremendous capacity for the eerie. It really is quite fascinating. Yes.
2: So inventive. Number 27, mm. dog. Uh, dog. Directed by Reed, Carolyn, and Channing Tatum, also starring Tatum, mm. oh, two, yeah. uh, two PTSD-affected army rangers, one of whom is a dog, mm. takes a road trip yep. to a fellow soldier's funeral and they learn to process grief along the way. Uh, it was surprisingly resonant emotional moments earned its place in my top 30.
0: Yeah, absolutely. My number 27 is Ah uh, Ah uh, Ah, uh, Rise, uh, Revolt, Other Thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, just an Re-coup. absolutely stunning absolutely stunning and incredible action film that just doesn't hold anything back yeah it's one of the most bizarre and spectacular things you'll see all year with just some of the most memorable sequences including a dance number that i will probably rewatch on youtube once a uh, once or twice a-, a week for the next coming months and i have done <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> number 26 the whale Uh, Darren Aronofsky's Ah. directed uh, Brennan Fraser earned his Oscar as this reclusive and morbidly obese English teacher in the latter stages of a grief that risks killing him before he can reunite with his estranged daughter. Both Fraser and Hong Chao give incredible performances that ooze charm and compassion and lift the movie beyond its execution.
0: Uh, 26, uh, Suzumi, uh, Makoto Shinkai's uh, latest film, just really staggeringly beautiful. I wanted to live in that world forever. It was much funnier than I expected it to be um incredibly endearing uh, and poignant.
2: I'm, in, I'm including I'm gonna be including this in next year's list
0: way hey! I, I haven't
2: <laughs> been able to see it until tomorrow. Fair. Um, I shall also
0: be including a turtle daughter in next year's list. Uh, okay, excellent. I imagine. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Twenty five, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Uh Nick Cage given homage and a chance to shine as Nick Cage in this Tom Gornican directed <laughs> part character study, part crime thriller, and he and Pedro Pascal chime so so sweetly together.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of Chiming Sweetly Together, it's Tom Cruise in the cinema. Number 25, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, big, big scale action movie. Summer blockbuster that we all needed. Really just blows you away and makes you wonder again why all blockbuster movies aren't held to the same level of just sheer accomplishment yes. of bold, spectacular visuals. In
2: verisimilitude. Um, yeah.
0: Even if it is propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get the enemy. Uh,
2: number 24, RRR. Massive, uh, uh, uh. overblown, sprawling Indian epic directed yeah. by S.S. Rajamouli. It's fun and mm. silly. One of the greatest musical numbers of all time. Oscar-winning movies. Oh, yeah. uh, lovable characters yeah. and ruthless stakes. Can't emphasise enough how fun this was.
0: God, they're lovable. Yeah. <laughs> how lovable can you make a man just by putting a great moustache on him? A lot, it turns out.
2: That's what I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> it hasn't worked yet.
0: It's gonna get there. Um, 24. Matilda, the musical. A really endearing rendition of the stage musical. Um, the the just oh the songs are so good, the performances are so good, including quite a few sort of British legends hidden around mm-hmm. the place, and it just has a wonderful little spirit of rebellion. Fantastic.
2: The Number twenty three. Three thousand mm. years of longing. George Miller brings this singular and hypnotic tale based on an A.S. Byatt short story, visual and thematic fingers firmly in Middle Eastern folktale pie. Starring Tilda Swinton Mm. and Idris Elba in in an unexpectedly delicious pairing, and it's the the, the movie is good enough, is perfect enough that even with that ending that we discussed earlier, Mm, it it belongs in the top thirty for me.
0: Uh, No, very close for me as well. Swinton was fantastic, as was Elba. As was Elba. Twenty-three. The Wonder. Florence Pugh goes out in order to investigate a girl who apparently isn't eating. Gorgeously filmed. Sebastian Lelio, who previously did a fantastic woman, just yeah a, a really earnest sort of character driven uh period thriller mm. that yeah keeps you really concerned and it's also just such an eloquent metaphor for the ways in which uh, vulnerable people are failed by any society yes
2: number 22 the northman shows you how vulnerable people are betrayed by any society robert eggers yeah. brings us another brutal tale this time of viking revenge delivering something that's visually and viscerally visually and viscerally satisfying with quite the ensemble cast the cinematic equivalent of an angry naked Viking banging on a drum with a skull. <laughs> uh,
0: number 22, you will not be alone. I've covered it!
2: Mate. All right. Mate. Number 21, the road dance. Very poetic, romantic cinematography. Uh, tale of a uh, Scottish island, people being sent off to war, and a woman is... Yes, the the, the proceedings the night before, marred by uh, the rape of the central character and her dealing with it, and it's very very bold and confronting at times and mm. managed to also uh take a lot of beauty from uh the surrounding areas
0: absolutely yes. uh my number 21 one fine morning mia hansen loves new film mm. um is just all about familial love and romantic love and how they contrast against each other mm-hmm. and is also just really well observed with lots of very sweet ca- uh character moments um is just about Leia Lea Sado's character dealing with her sick father and a mm. burgeoning love affair and how the two things have her in different frames of mind.
2: Lovely. Number twenty, yeah. The Wonder, what Paul said.
0: Number twenty, good luck to you, Leo Grande. Very charming, um sort of film that just yeah, is really sex positive. Great performances from its two leads. Yeah. Um incredible little contained story. Cool. Uh
2: number nineteen, Glass Oignon. Ryan Johnson's latest Knives Out installment is irreverent, oh, intelligent, yeah. and acerbic with its subject matter and depiction of contemporary pop culture. Brilliantly fun, infinitely watchable.
0: Absolutely. As we go into these last 10, I'm going to try and reduce it even further. Mm-hmm. Number 19, The Northman. It's really good. Fighty men in it. Very excellent. <laughs> yeah, woo! <laughs> Much to, I'm going to go for the Doge approach now. Perfect. No, just an incredible rendered world, uh, really exciting action, kind of a thriller thing with lots of moody atmosphere to it.
2: Excellent. Number 18, The Woman King. Fighty women do things big. <laughs> uh, directed Gina Prince delivers a visually impressive historical epic centred around the Egoji, the all-female warrior unit protecting the kingdom of Dahomey in the midst of European colonialism.
0: Yeah. Number 18, Everything Everywhere All at Once. The Daniels pre- mm. uh, presents a film that is, yeah, incredibly expressive, um, very imaginative and mm. just incredibly exhilarating and really yeah. deserved its trajectory from little indie hit to yeah. big success. Oh.
2: Sure did. Number 17, EO. Not even a theatre full of Easter Holiday cinema goers could spoil this marvel (laughs) of circus-performing donkey EO's journey following separation from his owner, travelling across a bleak and unforgiving Europe that shines a cold, existential and ridiculing light on human endeavours.
0: Absolutely. Number 17, The Quiet Girl. Covered it. Sucker!
2: Number 16, Triangle of Sadness. Ruben Oslin's vicious eat-the-rich-and-chew-up systems of power satire, which is so thrillingly <laughs> gratifying and darkly hilarious. It feels like getting slapped about a bit in the best way possible. Yeah. From a friend, maybe.
0: Ah, oh, charming. Yeah. Uh, number 16, Joyland. A movie that right. should be up for best, picture, is, uh, for best Foreign Picture, but isn't because of horrible reasons. A story about a man who goes to get work as a backing dancer and ends up falling in love with the trans lead performer. Oh, really beautiful film to come out of Pakistan. Just yeah. It just absolutely... A testament to the incredible things that are happening in Middle Eastern cinema at the moment and a very visually striking and poignant love story.
2: Brilliant. Number 15, Fire of Love. Directed by Sarah Dosa, narration Miranda July. Singular documentary on volcanologist couple Katya and Maurice Craft's unparalleled volcanic passion for their craft. (laughs) Told with existing footage shot by the couple that is truly breathtaking, always beautiful, even in tragedy.
0: Uh, number 15 is Bones and All. Luca Guadagnino mm. continues his just incredible run of movies in a story that feels, oh, so iconic in its mm. way of sort of showing rural America and the and the, the, the lost souls at the mm. heart of it. It's a, it got a beautiful mythology to it, and I just really <clears throat> a, adored the love story.
2: Cool. Number 14, Navalny, uh, directed by Daniel Roa. Uh, Oscar-winning, astonishing political documentary about attempt, the attempted assassination of Alexei Navalny, the credible opposition to Vladimir Putin
0: ah good stuff mm. number 14 the glass onion yes ryan johnson offers mm. more twists and thrills uh in a movie that is just so promising in terms of where this franchise might head in terms of intelligent <laughs> thrillers that have something to say and once again see a woman sort of who has everything stacked against her turn the odds around and end up on top and it's just yeah a really excellent franchise and god everybody yeah. it and it's great so happy that it exists
2: number 13 marcel the shell with shoes on uh, <laughs> uh, director Dean Fleischer Camp, Jenny Slate as the titular, Marcel are just profoundly beautiful, uh, mm. extremely funny and inventive visually. Movie that spawned from a YouTube short, which was the same as the things I just said. It was truly wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of those things that changed my life very positively.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Number 13, EO. This is Jerzy Skolomewski's, um incredible film about a, a riff on Hazard Balthazar. Um, A donkey sort of sets forth into the world and experiences all sorts of eccentric people and unusual things. A kind of twisty, um, exciting exploration of humanity and how Mm. that can be reflected through the experiences of a little donkey.
2: Lovely. Lovely. Uh, Number 12, All Quiet on the Western Front, directed by Mm. Edward Berger. Stunning World War One epic from the German perspective. That feels all the more relevant today and a score by Volker Bertelmann that couldn't sound more like the inevitability of the war machine and death if it bloody tried.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Number 12, Marcel, The Shell With Shoes On. Just a really charming comedy movie that is incredibly... Oh, God, I said incredibly and imaginatively a lot tonight. Um, it, it happens.
2: A lot of incredibly imaginative films.
0: They really are, and that's something that really resonates with me and Marcel, The Shell With Shoes On. It's just so heartfelt. And so poignant and such a clever little idea and so endearing and involving. Yeah. And <sighs> that's what you're going to get. <gasps> what, wait, what about number 11? Yeah, well, you cucks. If you want to find out what our number 11s are, two very mm. interesting films that mm. may slip you by if you don't uh, if you don't find your ideas out what they are. It. Yeah, mm. come along to the Patreon space to experience those. Yeah,
2: cost you a dollar. Yeah.
0: It'll cost you a dollar to find out what our number 11s are, and they will be the best. They're even better than our number 1s, both of them. So, yeah,
2: actually. so
0: Yeah, so get in there, find out what those are, and we're also going to talk about some other experiences of the year. But, <laughs> never mind that. Yes. Because now, we're going to discuss our number 1. Mm. Favorite movies. This year. Yes. Paul, what's your what? number 1?
2: Well, to anybody who's listened to the Godzilla episode of One Good Thing, they'll know that my favourite film was probably going to always be Everything Everywhere All At Once.
1: Now, you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a
0: story. I can see where this story is going.
1: It does not look good.
2: Directed oh. by the Daniels, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, I had a I did have a feeling this was going to be special to me from the moment I learned about the movie and its premise, mm. and then I saw the trailer, or in fact, when I saw the thumbnail for the trailer, I had this feeling, <laughs> and it just increased every s- single extra bit of media I saw before going into the movie, and I wasn't wrong. Um, it, it, this this it showed it it promised a film that was going to be ambitious and exciting. It wasn't afraid to lean into genre, but was bursting with compassion and empathy and introspection and reflection and realization and growth. And that's exactly what it was more so with every rewatch. Yeah. I feel like I cry 7% more every time I watch this movie. Um, Michelle Yeo and and Kihei Kwan are married with uh, a daughter played by Stephanie Hsu and they run a laundromat, a struggling business. And Yeo's dad is... uh, <laughs> a struggling business, and Yo's dad is waking up soon, and they have to file a tax return. And oof, this situation is 100 open tabs. The life down to switching in and out of yeah. Mandarin as they wend their way through chaos. This fam, this family chaos life. But when things really start going wrong at the IRS, Michelle, uh, <laughs> the agent, played uh, very, very humorously by Jamie Lee Curtis. Michelle Yo is suddenly told that she has the power to cross the multiverse and is the only person who can stop the rupturing of reality um, that is being threatened by Jobu Tupaki, Oh Joju, and okay. Jobu Tupaki. And, uh, fortunately for once, I don't need to follow that up with a series of reassurances that this is better than it sounds. Um, this is probably the the first favorite movie of a year that has w- that also won the best film Oscar. Yeah. The Oscar for best film. Um, and I don't even feel like a sellout for it. It's great. um, what I love about this movie is that it isn't just a really sweetly observed story about familial ties and compassion, this is, see my running theme, but it's a zany sci-fi movie that's not afraid to be crude, dumb, and just plain weird. Um, and any any weirdness that I felt for it ending, at, ending up winning the best film Oscar mm-hmm. um, is more than made up by the fact that it features scenes in which a guy leaps pantsless onto a makeshift dildo in order to gain verse-hopping <laughs> powers. In ter- yeah. but in terms of the emotional offerings of the movie i mean like it's it's multi-layered and and the the crazy sci-fi concepts and the big silly jokes kind of give you the structure in which this movie can stretch its emotional um therapeutic legs and it, and it really does yeah. fill that space in in so many incredible ways it's a multi-layered like therapy weirdly it leads Firstly, to one level of realization in Michelle Yeoh, and then it stops and it peels back everything that you've learned in order to go deeper, and it does this a few times until one of the most cathartic resolutions puts a screen, is is in front of you, and 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 it and it gets more tragic, more bittersweet with every single wash as you just learn more about the the cycle that they've been trapped in, mother and daughter yeah. for the longest time, and and husband and wife, and it's no coincidence that so many movies in my top 30 this year my favourite ones touch on family a lot of intelligent movies have been made with intelligent and varied perspectives and Mm. this one it it means more to me with every watch, it feels more relevant Mm. and more resonant and like an action movie like an action movie country hopping from glamorous location to location I feel in the fantastical multiverse, all these multi realities you know, you have hot dog fingers, slapstick, and nihilism back to back with martial arts and Wong Kar Wai yeah. sensibilities. At times, it, it it's mm. it's it's it pulls all these different parts of me that 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 have you know like loves for specific things and pulls them all together. And it really does make that um, that em- uh, emotional resolution feel so more so much more real and so better earned. Uh, it's like I feel like I'm the only way I'm going to be able to fully get across how I feel about this is is if I were to r- write and 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 record an essay for everybody because I'm just skirting around uh, the the main themes, but I, I need to talk about the central performances because they're remarkable. Mm-hmm. Michelle Yeoh, Kihei Kwan, and Stephanie Siu are perfect. They're able to convey all the frustration and heartbreak of family life and how, what they do to cope. Kihei Kwan mm. uh, stuffs his performance with various shades of compassion and optimism um, that are most, mostly indescribable but essential. And his big scene where he talks about the strength that there is in that is, is thoroughly heartbreaking. Um, michelle yo's love for her daughter but complete and utter inability to communicate with her and even to understand what it is that's lacking from their relationship and life to the extent mm. that she even if she fails to remember consistently the name of the so-called evil that she believes possesses her daughter um it just says says so much and on what completely different wavelengths like planes of existence they exist planes of existence they exist you can quote that mm. Um, and then finally <laughs> Stephanie Sue, whose performance is devastating. I really think she deserved mm. uh the uh Oscar for uh mm. in place of Jamie Lee Curtis, but so did a few people. Yeah, I so. Um I, I, I love yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis in it, but it's a different 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 level of performance um and, and mm. what it what it says. The absolute defeat that she feels, just crushed under the weight of her mother, who is obviously trying to help, but mm. just does not understand the the repercussions of her own actions and stephanie sue plays this desperate helpless and uh, helpless child who's just so willing to give up it it makes every moment of happiness and release so well earned and so much more meaningful because of it ultimately this movie bursts with heart and forgiveness and compassion and patience and and, and hot dog thinkers and dildos, and I love it so fucking much, for.
1: Don't let anything distract you from it.
0: No, it's, it's really good fun, and it's it's really heartening, actually, its success, because for being an, a, a, not only a non-franchise sort of movie, but one that is so eccentric and strange... Yeah and yet manages such a sort of audience-pleasing yeah. field using its humor, its humor and its action. Mm. Um, it's been able to get people in and achieve such tremendous success. It will hopefully lead to people taking many more risks. Mm. Um, you know, you, you always hope this, you always hope these lessons will go down well, you know, but God. so far, I mean, A24 just seemed to be all over this because, yeah. you know, they're just picking up things, and there's already big weight There's a lot being said about Bo is afraid. Yeah, asked new film. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's only a good thing if this emboldens, a twenty four to make stranger. Yes. more more unusual films. Absolutely, uh, from eccentric filmmakers. So mm. it's good stuff.
2: All right, Paul, tell us about your number one, please.
0: My number one is After Sun.
1: I love you. Love you.
0: Why don't you go over and introduce yourself
1: dad you know they're like kids why don't you go over and introduce yourself
0: sophie they're like
2: old my number five
0: indeed three names first charlotte wells mm-hmm. this is her first film uh writing and directing this uh, she's going to be momentous. Um, she she mm. has cited Lynn Ramsey as an influence, uh, particularly Ratcatcher and Man, her two early films, Fantastic. and she definitely earns the place alongside one of the greatest living filmmakers. You know, mm-hmm. uh, working at the moment with, with this film. Uh, she was inspired to make the film after finding pictures of her father from her childhood holidays, and was struck by how young he was. A similar age to her now is sort of at the point when she was looking. She felt that she finally saw him, not just as a father, but as a person mm. in these pictures, and yeah. so wanted to try and make a movie as a sort of act of mediation between her and her father. Second name: Paul Mescal. Yeah, plays a single father who takes his eleven-year-old daughter on a holiday to Turkey. Uh, he's struggling. He's struggling with getting old, uh, something he didn't really think that he would ever do. He's got a yeah. few heartbreaks and disappointments behind him, some quite recent, and he's struggling with some form of addiction. There are hints at a chaotic past that threatens to envelop him, him again. Um, And it's, it is never told to us within the film that he is no longer with us, but there's a sense. At the very yes. least, this version of him is forever out of reach and only explorable through memory. Yeah. and the sort of remnants of that time now. And then the third name is Frankie Corio. Oh, God, yeah. The young actor playing Sophie. She's on the cusp. She's leaving childhood. She's already discovering things about herself that are going to lead inexorably to the adult that is forever peering from just outside of the frame at all of this. Yeah. We're always very aware of the fact that this is somebody looking back, um, and it reminds you of that. And we see the action often play out in these pixely old digital digital cameras that kind of put things into... Uh, the yeah. context that we need Together The three have created one of the absolute Most visceral impressions of a Father-child relationship ever seen On screen, mm. Mescal goes from Protective father persona that he's Desperately trying to exude with confidence To the real shattered man yeah. um, With just natural Skill, moving just so effortlessly Between the heartbreak and The need to Keep it together for his daughter when he can and yet also the frustration that he often feels as a result. Yeah, Corio is impossibly charming for gotcha. her age. She's so charismatic um, and has this sort of tragic, also has this tragic demeanor mm. of someone who has learned how to handle her father and has built up some of the resilience that she needs to withstand him at his worst yeah. already. The moment where she comes home and covers him with the blanket as he's <sighs> passed out naked on the bed. Yeah. Is just very, very quietly devastating for everything that implies about what their lives have been like up to this point. Yeah. There are some truly heartbreaking sequences. Sophie singing on her own and what her father says after that and how she decides to defend herself from yeah. that. The carpet shop, the scuba diving. Ugh. There's a visual poetry to the film throughout that just feels incredibly well observed and so adventurous and how it's going to yeah. communicate what it needs to to you one of the reasons that this may have struck me so hard this year is that i did lose my father two years ago mm. and when he died he was actually exactly twice my age i was half the age he was when he died right. that only happens to you once in your lifetime and it's the year you turn the you turned the age that your parent was when they had you yeah So he stepped out of my life the same age he was when I stepped into his. And it felt like a weird missed connection. A chance to see eye to eye that's just not going to happen now. And with this film, Charlotte Wells is attempting to look her father in the eye and see him as a man and not just a figure from her life. And the film is just wrapped up in all the sorrow that doing that actually involves. Obviously the most devastating scene being when she rallies all of the fellow tourists to sing to him on his birthday and we just fade from an image of him set against a a blue sky to him in his bedside just yeah it's yeah incredibly brutal as a moment and it's very hard to (sighs) maintain composure whilst watching that particular scene yes um but in spite of all of that it does offer some form of escapism firstly yeah I find Wells' style to be thrilling. I love how she uses her camera and the overall structure of the film is so flawless in the way it mimics memory. Mm. But without abstraction, like, over too much abstraction. Obviously, there's a hell of a sequence near the end involving a dance to a, yeah. um, I believe, a David Bowie track uh-huh, okay. um, that is just stunning. And just as I said with, um, with Park Chan-wook, you know, who is a director of 40 years of experience, Wells, in her first film, is entirely without eff- affectation. Yeah. This feels new and exciting and entirely underivative. Yes. Um, And then secondly, the subject, because this is a holiday in the sun in the 90s, the exact same time I would <sighs> yeah. go on holiday with my family. Yeah. And beyond the pathos, she does capture the feel of that time. You know, they're in Turkey, but frankly, it doesn't really matter. They spend all of their time <laughs> yeah. in a resort doing tourist stuff, so they yeah. could be anywhere hot. That's it. And although, yeah. you know, me and my family, we never went to Turkey, but I see a lot of my own holidays in this film, which includes all the little Same. arguments and moments of sadness that you choose to forget. Yeah. It's just an absolutely stunning film in terms of exploring memory and exploring childhood and parenthood and so much, and just every single part of it you could push through and find even more behind it. Yeah. Um, But at the heart of it is just a relationship between a father and a daughter that is temporary, incredibly meaningful, but impermanent. Mm-hmm. And that just makes it painfully beautiful.
1: Wish we could have stayed for longer.
0: Me too.
2: Knowing this was going to be um, high on your list. Mm. I assumed that you would cover most of the things I was going to say um and yeah you pretty much did it was a, mm. a difficult watch for me um oh, sure. being able to relate to both father and daughter really you know yeah. um, it, te- it 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 kind of tells two parts of the same story of a life um two parts of a story of the same life almost mm. i just feel so everything feels so deeply connected um yeah. so much melancholy longing and regret and as you say, so much Britishness in there, for the love of God. Um, I could have watched this with yeah. my eyes closed and imagined the exact yeah. same fucking resort. Um, yeah. With all of the existential pain that brings me now. But you gonna you know, mm. I also laughed along sympathetically to very English-looking serious children staring longingly or mournfully at one another or to, you know, the pissed yeah. up teenagers and the broad oh, sweeping yeah. resort entertainment um, at the same time. Paul Mescal, yeah. Mescal and Frankie Corio are perfect. I could watch them all day oh, together God. just walking around talking yeah. about their food and poops and that and mm. um yeah the the cinematography and directing is so surprising yeah. and in, innovative in these delightful mm. little ways yeah like staging uh the scene for us to look at in the reflection of a tv screen with a stack yeah. of books next to it on meditation mm-hmm. and buddhism and mental health yeah.
1: um
2: and then yeah those abstract spaces that you've mentioned there's pure poetry uh, on yeah. screen um it's sim- similar, similar to Tar. Similarly to Tar, I find myself revisiting moments in this movie with such wonder and hmm. finding the deep, the harder I think on them, and the deeper I try and look into them, it just opens up so much, so many more yeah. avenues I could travel down. It's a truly remarkable movie that brings a tear to my eye just thinking about it, and it just chills me in the most compassionate way possible.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and the liminal space in which she positions her father, sort of yeah. forever dancing in this sort of mad disco, gurning and um, sweating, and then <laughs> yeah, and then the, the sequence in which she imagines herself as an adult trying to break through this yeah. sort of barrier of chaos to actually Ugh. reach him, it's just it's so frustrating because you just get the sense that the time in which she could have really meaningfully connected with him, where this was the ch- time when she was a child and was actually just already starting to pull away from him, yeah, and yeah, just brutal. <laughs> It really is. So much truth about yeah. parental relationships in there. Mm. Huh. Well, there you go. There you bloody go. That's that. Yeah. There you bloody go. And I think it's about time, more than about time, Uh-oh. we check in with the OG team. Oh my God. Okay. Oh my God. Patriot uh, team. Patry yes, we're going to start with the Patri team. Do it. The pastry team, as I like to call them. We start with L. Scott Joe's. Hey, Liam. Who says? Although it's likely more due to what I saw than the year being overall strong or weak, out of the 40-odd releases I saw that were 2022 films, or uh-huh. released in 2022 in Australia, there weren't many I thought were particularly good. Oh, dear. The best mm. ones in order for me would be, number one, Deepwater. Okay. I'm not sure I know what that is. Ah. Uh, number two, Beavers and Butthead do the universe. <laughs> number three, New York Ninja. Okay. And number four, Bened- Bernadetta, which made my list last year. Um yes, and it's same. Paul Verhoeven's excellent, excellent film. Yes. Um Yeah, I would recommend check some of the films we've we've named out because there's some yeah. really, really incredible films that were released. I feel he'd like uh, the horror movies. Yeah. If
2: Liam, if oh, you haven't yeah. seen Skinner Inc. or Ennis Main, I mean definitely watch oh Skinner Inc., I think that's right up your street.
0: Yeah, and you won't be alone. Just Yes. God gotcha. yeah, Yeah. Check these out. Okay, Mark Reed. Hey Mark Reed. Hello, Paul's. Here's a top five for you, in no particular order. What? I'm going to read them in no particular order. No, I'm going to read them in whatever you wrote them. Oh, okay, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, S- Speak No Evil. One of those mm. sorts of films that makes you feel bad at the end. <laughs> I haven't heard of it, I don't yeah. think. But yeah. it sounds great. <laughs> uh, Deadstream. Gives me Evil Dead vibes. Really enjoyed it, and would recommend it to non-horror fans too. Mm. Interesting. Uh, Terrifier <laughs> 2. Art the Clown returns in a sequel with an actual plot, amazing and brutal practical effects, particularly a success story in the horror genre. Well, I guess this guy's a little bit horror-obsessed. It sounds to me like he might want to brunch out. Oh, he's listed our two favourite films. Uh, <laughs> Sun. Oh, this movie hurts me, just a very real, very sad time, and mm. everything everywhere all at once. How can two talking rocks make you cry? Well, that's us. Well, heard exactly. and spoken for. And
2: that also That also very much sums up our relationship. How can <laughs> these two talking rocks... anybody feel anything
0: I agree (laughs) uh... Sir Thank you very much Thank you Right moving on to Facebook We've got Ellen Graham Saying Jamie Hornsby I know yours was Scream 6 A confusing statement Because Scream 6 came out this year Uh, (laughs) Jamie replies With a gif of um, uh, Neve Campbell And Mm -hmm. um, Courtney Cox Saying sounds about right, and then Scream Six was this year filthy casual. Scream Five though, so I don't know where to stand. If this is mm. Ellen ribbing on Jamie for um liking uh, Scream Five, then <laughs> get him. Yeah. Uh, but if this is uh her ribbing Jamie for liking Scream Six, then um, um no, no, oh, get her. No, get her. Everybody get her. So I don't know. I don't, please apply that as as needed. Um, Just get them both. Cover, get them both. Play it safe uh karma duffield says the menu very good honorable mention Ooh, fantastic we enjoyed it yes. uh, nathaniel de bell puts a uh, youtube uh, video actually that i should have watched uh, beforehand a poster compilation of some of the things he saw in 2022 which looks like it also includes an awful lot of films that weren't released this year but wow there's some really good stuff in there so check out our facebook and look for that comment i just saw david lynch's dune so that's oh, in there super um along with a lot of other things Right, Twitter, Skyver, oh, get back to work. You uh, says the Batman. That's really interesting. I've been meaning to rewatch the Batman, and I know mm. it's getting an IMAX re-release over here ah, in the UK cool. because I I saw it. I wasn't very impressed by it, but I I, I only saw it <clears throat> once, and it was during a busy time, so I'd oh. like to see it again.
2: I did really like it. Um, okay. I, that should have been in my honorable mentions as well. Actually, it's just beneath Velvet Queen. Right. Um, hmm. Yeah, I I thought it had a lot. Of um, a, a lot to uh, a lot worth praising. Um, mm. v- visually unique and mm. just yeah, a good solid mood in there.
1: Good stuff. Yeah,
2: uh,
0: Janelle. Oh, Nell healed. Says, tell me Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> hit all the right notes for me. Yeah, it made me laugh and its deeply emotional uh, story made me cry. It was the first 2022 film I saw and it never moved out of the top spot. After Sun needs a mention as well. It's a devastatingly honest film and it made me cry for a long time after it had ended. Very yes. True. Very true, it did. <laughs>
2: uh, I can assume. But yeah, it did. It did. And it yeah. was a, there was a cathartic beer had
0: after the film. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Well, Jen says, "Oh, E-A-A-O. Oh. Love that film. Uh, But also a big shout out for Joyland, which should have been allowed to compete at the Oscars and be seen by more people, but in the end was censored by conservative dumbwits in its home country. Everyone go watch Joyland. Absolutely you should. It is the only act of rebellion that really counts right now, is you watching Joyland. So
2: that's why it wasn't given a cinematic release or or something. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. Conservatives just censored it.
0: Which is such a shame, because when we saw it, the director was there and he was saying that actually surprisingly it was going to get a general release in Pakistan and mm. it was looking really positive but then you know unfortunately it all fell through. Finally, mm. Matthew Whitaker, my mm. old boss of Screen Mayhem Uh-oh. got in touch and he posted a single image and I do believe that that is a screenshot from X uh. which is Ty West's film because he made both West, uh, sorry X and Pearl within the same year yes so, okay yes he got them both out. I preferred Pearl, but X was extremely good as well. Cool. Extremely good. Oh <laughs> What? Oh. And he's gonna make a third movie called Maxine. So doubt for that. So yeah. watch out
2: Maxine. I did wonder watch I saw Maxine. that picture on the Twitter and neither Janelle or I could <laughs> uh, figure out what it was.
0: Ah, look at Mia Goff there. Yeah. Love her. I'm very fond of Mia golf now. I need to see Infinity Pool. That is also apparently quite good. Oh right. yes,
2: Love Mia Brandon.
0: Yeah, lovely Brando. <laughs> Now, let's very quickly finish yes. this off by having a look at the highest grossing films of all time. Mm-hmm. This is our longest non-Halloween episode right now. Oh, okay. So, looking at the list, you've got the usual thing. You've got a couple of Chinese films that I don't know anything about. <laughs> yeah. Actually, is it just one? Yes it is, The Battle at Lake Changjing 2. Okay. Uh, the f- the first of which was like the highest grossing film of 2020. Oh, I remember now,
2: yeah, I remember that coming up, I think in our 2020 mm, episode. of just Yeah, mm-hmm. because
0: China was the only place people could go to the cinema. <laughs> yeah. Now we've got a few superhero movies in there. I think okay. yes, all three Marvel movies of course made the list. But that's it. None yeah. of the other studios got a superhero movie into the top 10, which is interesting. And there's every chance what with the flop of um what do you call it, the uh, Ant-Man and Wasp mm. thing that next year that this year will be the first year in which Marvel didn't get all of its movies into the top 10. Wow. An which interesting thing that'll be. Which mm. three is that? So, that is For Love and Thunder, which oh, came yeah. at 8. Oh yeah. And weirdly they're actually I think they're in quality order for me. Yeah. So at eight, four uh four Love and thunder, yep. tour. Mm-hmm. Um at number six, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Okay. And number four, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness.
2: Yeah. I, I haven't actually seen Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I wasn't like a it was, the, it was okay. biggest fan of the first and I'm marvel fatigued. But... I
0: loved the first. Yeah, I know. Um so it was a little <clears throat> disappointing. Oh, okay. But hey. But, uh... Oh, sorry, there is another uh, superhero movie here. The Batman is at number seven. Oh,
2: yeah, okay. Well, that's yeah. fun. Um, Elsewhere... Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, Doctor Strange, I the, the second half of that mm-hmm. movie, when it fully got into its Sam Raimi sensibilities, yeah. was really fun.
0: <laughs> I, I enjoyed Doctor Strange, I yeah. must say. Uh, number ten is Puss in Boots, The Last Witch, which is great fun. Oh, okay. Um, then, then you've got Battle of Lake Shanjin, then Thor, then <laughs> Batman, then Black Panther minions the rise of Gru. god Mm. damn it (laughs) god illumination studios make a lot of money they just made the mario movie oh god um i know i hate everything the top three is interesting because the top three is all non-superhero number three is jurassic world dominion you shall hear more (laughs) about shortly yes number two is top gun maverick that's great i'm so happy about that and number one is Avatar the Way of Water. Yeah, of which regardless of my feelings about check out Jenna the Film Critic for that. Um mm. it's just so great that the top three or top two. Top two movies mm. are their franchise, of course, but they are such purely cinematic experiences. Yes. Um that are non superhero related. That is as cool. Is the third. And it's just it's great that, yeah. These movies really brought people in.
2: Top Top Gun Maverick was a really enjoyable experience. The um yeah, oh, I loved
0: the, it at the IMAX. It, it, oh, I can,
2: I can imagine. It, it, it's just incredible, and it's just such a testament to why you should put in the the work with action movies and
0: put in the work. Just,
2: just, just get it as real as you possibly can. Not every yeah. movie is going to have Tom Cruise or Keanu Reeves to do a whole bunch <laughs> of the stuff, but you have to. They're both getting to. old. Yeah, <laughs> they're trying not the to, rooms. and we're doing everything we can to stop that, but. The love of God. It just, just if you can put people up in a plane, do it. Even you know,
0: do it. Just... You absolute cowards.
2: Yeah, you absolute cowards. There we go. Oh, that's a reference to okay. before we were recording yesterday. Never mind.
0: <laughs> love it. And here we are, the end of 2022. Couple here of in cowards. April 2023, <laughs> and I feel good about it. I think we're finally ready to move on and deal with the sheer crushing reality of how many great films have already come out this year. <laughs>
2: Okay, give me a sec. Oh, fuck!
0: (laughs) Why, (laughs) Mum? Nicely done. Nicely done. Once you've gotten over that, tell people how they can find out about one good thing.
2: Okay. Well, you can can find us... Mm. Yep.
0: Goodbye, everyone.
2: (laughs) Bye, everyone. This hurts.
0: (laughs) So much pain.
2: Um, well, you can do so at Twitter and Facebook at Pod, where you should keep an eye out for calls to the OG team, where you can tell us the good things about all the movies that we watch. Um, you can send us an email at OGTPod at gmail.com, and if you are a big fan of our voices and faces, and the many other voices and faces that appear uh, facelessly on this podcast, then consider becoming a patron, where for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to Hundreds and hundreds and millions of hours of, of extra content, special film reviews, Absolutely. and film uh, random f- film content generation. By which I mean we do it with our brains. And yeah. um, this coming week will be us talking about our number elevens, which you won't want to yeah. miss. Yeah, because we put the, oh, eight, we actually care that. about this one.
0: Oh yeah, this is the good one. Yeah, promise. <laughs> I'm Paul. Good one.
2: No, I'm, I'm pulled the good one.
0: And remember, the one good thing about 2022 mm. is that people cared more about the little blue people than the little flying people. Oh, well, some of the blue people can fly. Mm.